Welcome to Game Face, episode 202 on Sifted Games at Sifted.net. This is our flagship show for Sifted Games. Uh, we're here every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific and 4 p.m. Eastern. I'm Shane Satterfield. You can find me on Twitter at Dinfire. And alongside me, as always, it's Matt Kyle. You can find him at Twitter on Twitter at MKyle. Apparently. How are you doing, man? I'm all right. You coming down off of your crazy film project now? Uh, getting starting there. to regather yourself a little yeah, bit? Yeah, I mean, we're not done yet. Like, it's in post-production now. We should be done mid to late May. Okay. But, uh, yeah, the director's in England right now, so everything's pretty pretty quiet. <laughs> <laughs> well, the timing's working out good. Uh, I got through the site redesign and relaunching a bunch yeah. of shows. You got through your films. And here come the games. Yeah, finally. Right right in lockstep. Tonight, with... Ori and the Will of the Wisp finally in play. Yep. Uh, there's another game. Why new... is that coming out on Wednesday? It's weird. That doesn't it's happen bizarre. very often. It is bizarre. Um, and then we had a big launch that happened just about an hour ago that we're going to talk about on the show as well. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got Neo 2 coming very soon. There's mm-hmm. tons and tons of games that are coming out, which is great. Uh, we made it <laughs> through. Barely. We made it through the desert barely. You're absolutely right. Barely. That was a. This I have never seen a Q1 like this before. I know. It was it's a been a nightmare. Complete barren wasteland. It really was. Like it was... it was actually timed out pretty well for me in terms of how busy I was with other things. But like, wow. Yeah, it worked out for me too. Uh, on shower duty, we got Mitch Sikorsky. What's going on, Mitch? How you doing back there? Um, doing pretty well. <laughs> <laughs> Hey Mitch, how's it uh, how's it been going for you uh, moving out here and kind of getting thrown in the deep end, working on content with me and all that kind of stuff? Uh, it's been a lot of fun. I'll say first off, um, you know, I never expected to do something like this. I don't take <laughs> chances. I don't take big risks. So I, everything's been working out really well so far. Things have been lining up. I have to do another job to maintain being here in Los Angeles. So I found that and I'm starting to get my groove in and learning lessons along the way. So you notice sometimes I'll put a piece of content out there that, you know, I can improve on. So it's all working out. Do you like living in LA? And look at the camera, bro. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I guess. I don't know what you're looking at. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm looking at myself on the camera. So I'm self-loathing. Nobody see. can see that but yeah. you. <laughs> um, yeah, I really love Los Angeles. I, you know, it's such a drastic difference coming from a Midwestern state to coming out here. You know, it fits my type of lifestyle that I like. So I am enjoying every bit of it. There's so much to do. I really want to do an episode in HQ about some cool places I've been to here in Los Angeles. So if you ever get to Los Angeles, check them out. Uh, So there'll be a lot of fun stuff. But it's so fun exploring a new city. It was overwhelming the first couple days. But thank God Shane has been nothing but amazing. I mean, the dude picked me up from the airport. That's how much this guy (laughs) is a stud. (laughs) He called me a stud. Not only that. (laughs) This guy. I like this guy. <laughs> this guy looked at apartments for me, yeah. and I definitely sent him to one that we think was ran by the Russian mafia. It definitely was run by the Russian mafia. Uh, spoilers! <laughs> no... Spoilers! They're all run. They by are. That's. Uh, you're welcome to L.A. It's either the Russian mob or China. It's I've never had. A, I've never had a landlord in L.A. that wasn't Russian. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> my my new one is not, but his wife is. <laughs> 
That's funny. To I think married about. into it. That's hilarious. I never even thought about that, but you're absolutely right. Anyway, uh, Mitch is going to be with us from here on out. He's going to be a big part of Game Face. Also, if you guys have been watching Sifted HQ, obviously he's a big part of that as well. I just launched a new episode of that this morning. Uh, two brand new segments in this week's show that have not been in prior episodes, and we're going to keep doing that. We're going to keep debuting new stuff. Uh, we have like a core of four segments that are going to be in every show, and then we'll rotate stuff in and out as it works. I'm really happy with how that show's turning out. I think the third episode, we're finally starting to hit our stride production-wise. And uh, check it out if you haven't already. I'm really proud of it. And uh, Mitch should be, too. He's done a lot of work on it as well. Um, starting tomorrow, Pactor Factor goes daily, people. Yep. Wow. Yep. It's going to be one question per episode, uh, which means some episodes will be like five minutes. Some of them will be like 40 minutes. Uh, we cut a lot out of his responses when we do the full show, because if we didn't, some episodes would be like an hour long. But now it's pack uncut. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. Yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll still edit it just to be professional. But you'll you'll get his full unfiltered opinion, whereas before, I don't know if you want that, but. <laughs> yeah, you, could, you cut out all, all the really obscene parts. I really yeah. do. I'll be honest with you. If you guys only knew the stuff that I cut out of Factor Factor. Uh, so a lot more of that stuff will be in there. But anyway, the show is going to be mostly daily. Uh, we'll be publishing four episodes a week, so four out of five days. We'll have a new episode of Pactor Factor. Um, and for those of you who have been subscribing via Twitch Prime, there's a bunch of you guys who did it um, while we were gone, actually. And I want to thank you guys on camera. EaglesFan76, Dr. Panda Khan, Funky, Hand Me Food. All those guys subscribe via Twitch Prime while we've been, been away. And a bunch of people at the top of the show did it. Casualty, Emperor Dread. Casuality. Um, casuality. My my apologies. So if you guys are subscribing via Twitch Prime, you get Pactor Factor a week early now. Um, and so if you are subscribing and going to our Twitch channel to consume that stuff, the first day you're just going to have that first topic. Mm -hmm. And it's going to be five or ten minutes or whatever. But then the next day there's going to be another episode there for you that people on YouTube still aren't getting. So Mike's Q has a good, uh, good, good question there. Can we get Patreon-only pack after dark mm. uncut <laughs> that's not a bad idea yeah I, i'll say this when i shoot with pactor i'll walk away from there and i'll be like is he okay with that <laughs> seriously yeah because if it were me and i had been on camera and said the stuff that he says sometimes i would walk away being like oh my god what have i done uh, and if it was like in someone else's control mm -hmm. i would freak out because that, that's the good part of event, being that old, though. He doesn't, <laughs> he doesn't, doesn't care. give a crap. He's, he's over done, it. He's done it all. <laughs> he is definitely over it. But anyway, he's going to be a part of Sifted and our Patreon <laughs> pretty much every day going forward. Um, we'll be shooting new, a new round of episodes probably late next week, so look for questions for that. Uh, but going to do another boat episode sometime? Uh, probably not. <laughs> that was a nightmare. That was a, that was a ride. It was hard to do that episode <laughs> in many, many ways, so probably not. Um, the other thing that I would say, too, is that he's going to get, like, uh, Sifted HQ, Pactor's going to start going to, like, a season structure. Mm, so mm -hmm. his episode numbers are not going to keep going up. So I think the last numbered one's going to be, like, 179, and then it'll go season five, episode one. It's mm. hard to believe it's been, like, five years of doing the show. Yeah. But anyway... Big changes coming, big cha more changes coming still to Sift. I hope you guys are still enjoying the site. It seems like you are. Uh, but we need to get on with this show because Game Face is now an hour, hour and a half-ish. And we have like nine topics for today's show. So if you do the math. <laughs> that's that's pretty fast we for need, us. We need, we need to yeah. get going, absolutely. So we're going to kick things off with what I think is the biggest story. And I think Matt will agree with me on this one. I agree with it because I was right. You, <laughs> here, absolutely. You know. People say a lot of stuff on podcasts. They pull it, they predictions pull stuff out of their butt, hope 
sometimes they're just hoping that something's going to happen, and they're trying to start that inertia to mm. will it into being. Matt, you nail shit all the time. And I don't know if that all, is correct. He really does. <laughs> like I, uh, I don't know if you're using inside information. Sometimes, um, maybe. Sometimes I am. This time I am not. It just made way too much sense to not be true. But like a month ago, I think it was. Yeah, beginning said, of the year it was one of our our when we first came back from Christmas. It was one yeah, of our. It was one of your predictions. predictions. He said that a Star Wars game was going to come out this year that we didn't know about. That we didn't know about, and I. I thought it might be possible, but I'll be honest with you. I thought you were wrong, mm-hmm. and you were not. So this week, a game on PlayStation Network in Europe leaked. It is called Star Wars Project Maverick. Mm-hmm. First of all, it's very strange that it's called Project Maverick, and they already had a listing on PSN. Yeah, the fact that they listed under a working name, a working probably? title, is interesting. Yeah. My, obviously, my hope is that Maverick is a Top Gun reference, and this is an X-Wing TIE Fighter thing. Yeah. Um, the art, especially because there's a there's a new Top Gun movie this year, so that would kind of make it right. be on somebody's mind. Um, well, the art that they've released, this is all we have from the game. What you're seeing, this still right here that they snagged from PlayStation Network. This is all legit. Yeah, this isn't like some fan mock up. Uh, from the art, it looks like it. You may be right. Like it may be some kind of a dogfighting. Maybe game. I can't tell what I'm looking at. Really, it look, to me, it's it looks a Star, Star Destroyer. Destroyer. There, it's behind the K. Oh, behind yeah, the yeah, K. I there, I see. But I don't see a ton of ties or anything like no, that. No, it but. looks it looks almost planet like it looks like it's like hovering over Mustafar or something. The lava. They planet. actually that is what it is. Yeah, yeah. They've already figured that out. Um, that doesn't mean that it's in set it's set entirely there, but right. it is apparently going to be a part of the game. Um, how do you feel? First of all, Matt, take a victory lap. Ha-ha. You got it right. I mean, that's pretty impressive. Like I I don't think anyone else probably predicted that something like this was going to happen this year. Um, Most informative gaming podcast. That's right. <laughs> Even mean, when we're accidental about it. I mean, seriously, though, a lot of the time, our experience being in the industry for so long leads us to these conclusions. It's mm-hmm. a it's a preponderance of experience that we have dealing with lots of different people, lots of different organizations. Um, I would say that when we do make predictions, our predictions are pretty well informed. Yeah. Um, and more so than someone who has only really been into this for a few years or whatever. Um, and sometimes we hit it because we're using a lot of information to make those predictions. And you absolutely hit this one. Uh, now that you've you know a little bit about it, though, what what are kind of your one of your hopes and dreams for it? I mean, obviously, my hope and dream is it more Tie Fighter. Uh, my fear is that it's like some kind of small scale indie style mobile gamey thing. That's see, that's. I mean, obviously be... not mobile gamey because it's on PSN, but like I I wonder about the scale of it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, how would you feel if it was, like, a smaller indie-style game? Would I you mean, be okay with that? Yeah, I mean, you know what? Like, just more Star Wars content, please. Like, EA has been so weird and slow about getting any kind of Star Wars game out in the... How long has it been since... They have that, they've had that license for, what, seven years now? Yeah. And, and we've out, gotten like, three, three games. games. Yeah. Like, yeah, anything at this point. I don't care if it's a, like designing dresses for Ewoks. Leia, like, Leia or I don't care. Like I, Anything that gives gives me some gaming content in the Star Wars universe, I will take. I agree with you a million percent, and I have no idea why EA has not pushed like smaller games in the Star Wars universe. Like, I don't know. I mean, it doesn't got, mean like, that they have to be bad. I mean, they've got like the mobile stuff, like the, what is the Galaxy of Heroes or whatever. Like, that's done well and stuff like that is there. But I, that's not what I want to play. You know, yeah. it's just I don't want to play reskinned versions of mobile games i already dislike you know it's, <laughs> it, yeah if i wanted to do that i'd be playing that 
terrible Transformers fighting game, Forge to Fight or whatever. Yeah. Oh, there's but, tons of stuff like that yeah. on mobile. So I just I just hope it's an interesting new idea. I mean, you know, even if they're just doing, you know, EA doesn't do weird one-off indie stuff all that often, but yeah. when they do, it's stuff like Unraveled or like yeah. you really Quality, usually. you know, fun stuff and yeah. and interesting takes on things and I would like to see them apply that to Star Wars. Yeah, like, like I don't I'd, see them any reason not to. I would like to see like a Metroidvania set in the Star sure. Wars, a 2D like Action adventure yeah. with Metroid style Fett. level design, like it would be great. That Boba Fett Metroidvania done. How yeah. is that? How is that not greenlit ten years ago? And I, look, you can just throw all the names and genres into a blender and just start spitting out yeah. combinations. And I'm there. Or I'll take do, like, or make like you know, Super Nintendo. You remember the Super Nintendo, Super Star Wars, and all that. Yeah, make those, but out of the prequels. Yeah. Make versions that of those out of the prequels. I I don't understand why EA is not doing this. I don't get it. Do you think maybe? There's a deal with some other company for no. smaller stuff? I think it's just EA's inability to read the room, yeah. frankly. I think it's EA's focus that's been there for years and years on things that blow up and make this amount of money. And especially when it comes to this big license, they want to have this, this thing. You know, they want every game they put out to this sell 15 million, million copies yeah. like Battlefront 1 did. Yep. But you're never going to match that on the regular basis because that was riding the wave of Force Awakens hype. And yep. you're never going to get there again, yep. you know? Um, well, maybe in five years they do. Maybe but. five years when, when you know, Mandalorian. <laughs> if they even have the license then. Yeah, that's a good question. But um, you have to be. I mean, I, it really looks from some of the job postings and sort of some of the internal machinations at Lucasfilm that they're sort of reforming a kind of LucasArts-ish pod in there. That's, yeah. Because if I were them after this experience with EA I, would, EA, I would just be saying, hey, let's just contract out the developers we want to make each game project we come up with. Like, that yeah. would be... Which is the old LucasArts model. Like, and that pretty much worked like for a long time until they started being really weird. The, president, the new president guy started being really weird about what got funding and what didn't. And we didn't have any Star Wars games for like eight years. Iger left Disney, right? What's He's, his name? Bob Iger Bob is the Iger, head of yeah. Disney. Um, he, he left, right? Well, he didn't leave. He's going to be there till the end of next year. But oh, he's stepping. Wow. He's stepping down. He's still running creative till the end of 2021, but he is stepping down as CEO. And it's going to be a, a gradual transition to whoever the new guy is will that change anything not really yeah, lucasfilm is a completely so. independent entity like yeah. that's the thing i learned working on that show like five years ago is because there's times when like lucasfilm wanted a thing that changed and stuff and we at one point we were frustrated and we kind of said to disney like hey can't you just tell them what to do because you own them they're like no nah, it don't work like that yeah like people that blame disney for like things they don't like in star wars or or even marvel are just don't know how that works like the the, the disney's held companies have a lot of creative freedom Maybe we should explain why we think the game's going to be small and maybe not be mm -hmm. this big, big budget AAA game. And at least for me personally, it's because Motive hasn't been around all that long. And so to me, for them to have a big budget AAA game mm -hmm. ready to go by this, the end of this year, it just doesn't seem plausible. Well, it depends. We don't know what they've been working on, like kind of in the side projects or what maybe, you know, this is this could even be something that they'd already kind of pre-produced and prototyped during while making the, the other game that got canned or got moved over to EA Vancouver uh, when Amy Hennig left uh, and Visceral got shut down. So, like, you don't know, like this, you know, this could have been sort of on deck for something and they just decided as long as all this stuff fell apart, just green light that Maverick thing and just go. Yeah. You know, for all we know, this could end up being wing com that Wing Commander. You remember that stupid Wing Commander arcade thing? Yeah. Yeah. On Xbox 360, yeah. it turned out to be basically like a twisted metal with, like, spaceships and no yeah. Z-axis. Yeah. Like, it could be that. It could. We don't know. You're absolutely right. It, so when I first kind of figured out that this wasn't going to be, like, this gigantic blockbuster game. Yeah, this isn't going to be Fallen Order 2 yeah. or anything. I was disappointed at first. 
And then I started thinking about it, and I'm like, if this is truly a paradigm shift for how EA is going to handle that license, then I'm okay with it. And I think I would rather have this small game if it indeed portends to something bigger than some gigantic blockbuster that we get once, and then it doesn't change anything for another three or four years. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Uh, I agree with that. So it's tough being a Star Wars lover to... (laughs) To uh, right. deal with how EA has handled everything, but this may be the first step, at least in my opinion, and kind of in the right direction. Yeah, I mean, I think it's the second step. Like, the first step was making Fallen Order at all. Yeah. And then the success of that means we are almost certainly going to get more Star Wars single-player experiences from them, which is good yeah. because that's what I want. Me too. I'd agree with that. I don't need... And I'm hoping that that KOTOR remake thing uh, comes to light at some point in the next few months because... Yep. That seems to be that's the other thing that I've noticed because I also pay attention to Star Wars toys, which you may not be shocked to learn. <laughs> um, two yeah. things, two things coming in the pipeline for the toy in the toy side. Uh, they are making a Revan saber replica. Oh wow! That is super high end. Like they make high end replicas of various sabers anyway. This is the first one I can remember in a long time that is not movie or TV based. That is that is a completely game and also mind you, non canon. Right. Yeah. Technically, yeah. although uh, in the visual dictionary for Rise of Skywalker, they list all the Sith, the Sith legions, the Red Stormtroopers. Uh, there, each legion is named after a, an ancient Sith lord, and the third legion, I believe, is called the Revan, the Revan ah, Legion. So, Kotor's back, baby, and so they're making this this the lightsaber, and it's gonna be, you'll be, be able to take it apart and put a swap crystal, so it will be purple or red, depending on which crystal you have in it. And then they are making a light side. Like a light side good Jedi Knight version of Revan as an action figure. And I'm like, that's a lot of Revan product coming yeah, later yeah. this year if there's no KOTOR in the right, pipeline. Right. I'm just saying. It's coming. It's, it's in there. Yep. Uh, let's move on. We're going to talk next about Stadia, which has been, I would argue, pretty much an there, unmitigated. There's a, there's a jump in height. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it really is. It, which I would argue has been pretty much an unmitigated disaster to this point. I don't know anyone who doesn't work for Google who would disagree with that. There are really no games for the system still. We, were, we made a joke when we were waiting to uh, go live about they were trying to spell Stadia and have use a game for each, each letter. letter. Like they were trying to like spell your name and with each letter like use the title a of a name. video game name. And on their, they listed Stadia, and uh, they were clearly sticking to games that they have on Stadia. And when it got to I, it was just an emoticon of someone shrugging. There's no and, game! And someone responded, you should probably have waited to tweet this until you had a game that starts with I in your library. <laughs> which I thought was very fun. I believe had more likes than the original tweet. Yeah. So that's, that's how you know you got nailed. Well, there's only like... 30 games available for yeah. it, roughly, right now. There's no movement. Like, you don't even have enough games. You barely have enough games to fill out the alphabet. Yeah. Well, and they don't even, like... <laughs> someone asked, like, on uh, one of the Reddit AMAs, like, a month ago, like, when am I going to be able to pay for the 4K or yeah. be able to subscribe and, get, and, and like, and play with my own controller? And their response like, we don't know yet, but it's coming. And it's yeah. like, how do you not know that? It's like, so bad. It's bizarre. Well, adding to whatever is bizarre and how they're running their business is that this week it was announced that Shannon Studstill, who Mm -hmm. has run Sony Santa Monica forever, has been poached from Sony, and she is moving over to Stadia uh, to start a brand new studio here in Los Angeles to create exclusive games, and she's also going to have a focus on 
working with the unique technology of Stadia. So hmm. a lot of the stuff that they showed us when they first showed Stadia, like the whole like YouTube integration where you can watch a YouTuber play a game and then you can buy the game from right there and then launch the game. From, all that stuff still hasn't happened. And it appears that she's going to be one of the shepherds for that technology mm -hmm. into the actual marketplace, which I would argue is probably not a great use of her time. Although, I, I mean, as long if they're paying her a ton of money and stock options, and I mean, hopefully she comes out of this real real well paid. Oh, I mean, I don't think she'll ever have to... Right now, she doesn't have to worry about money. No, but like this, this hopefully is a very lucrative deal because I don't see any way to pull this thing out of its nosedive. I don't either. But, Jade uh, Raymond apparently is her boss because when they hired her, the quotes mm -hmm. were from Jade Raymond. Uh, so it appears that Jade is going to be supervising her. I don't know I mean, if that still, makes sense. But... I don't know. I mean, I still got my eye on whatever Jade's working on. Whatever, yeah, whenever she puts something out, like you got Stadia's got my attention for that day. At of least. course, absolutely. Uh, but I would argue that probably Shannon has had more success in the industry than Jade in terms of like actual like this. Yeah, I mean. Just in terms of hit after hit after yeah. hit, yeah, yeah. Still, I mean, first of all, I don't think I've ever. I, there's not, Jade's never made anything I disliked at all. Me either. But like, the output from Sony Santa Monica is just constant. Yeah, and amazing. And one thing I would say, and look, we bang on Stadia all the time, but whenever they do something right, I want to compliment them as well. I like that Stadia is being diverse with its hiring. Like, mm -hmm. I love that there are two women. Pretty much is the head of, uh, yeah. of original content for Stadia. That's mm -hmm. great. That's going to bring new perspectives to the games that we play. It's good to see at least one platform kind of focusing on women as in leadership roles. Mm -hmm. um, I'm really excited about that. But shouldn't Shannon have been hired like, like two, two years, years ago? ago? <laughs> yeah. Like, what are you doing? Like, I, that's what I'm worried is like, you know. No, we had nothing to do with Sh Shannon and her ability or lack of, you know, there's nothing about that. It's just. Is it too little too late? Uh, yeah. Is, is it a thing where, where – because especially because Google is not afraid to pull plugs on things. We know that. There's yeah. a whole site dedicated to it. Yeah. Um, and it would, it would just suck to, to assemble this team of, you know, really talented people, um, especially Jade and Shannon, and not let them – that's what I'm worried about is, like, again, sort of like what happened with Jade at EA. Like, is she going to work really hard on something we're never going to get to see? Yeah. It's possible. It could absolutely happen. Um, one thing I would say is it does – Make me feel like Google is placing a little bit of a longer bet on Stadia. Yeah, I mean that's the the hope here. I think. Um, um, so it, it sounds like they they you probably at least have two or three years. Yeah, if they're before, if they're making this move now. Yeah, there's no way that if they're going to hire her and build a team to make a game, they're not going to pull the plug on Stadia yeah. until that game comes out. Yeah, at you the very can't least. expect you can't expect results from this move for two or three years yeah. minimum. So. so if you're interested in Stadia, this should inspire a little bit of confidence that it's not just going to go mm -hmm. away. And I guess the thing, too, is that there's not much commitment there anyway. So yeah. if you want to hopefully that could... it can change. Yeah. You know, that's the thing. Is like yeah. Stadia can change and mutate into what it needs to be as the market dictates or as, as their research dictates. So hopefully this is sort of step one in molding Stadia into something that somebody would want <laughs> yeah and we look we always say a platform is just a piece of plastic and transistors until it has a killer app and mm -hmm. both these women are absolutely capable of creating games that become killer apps literally games that are so good that even mm -hmm. people like you and i who are not sold on stadia will see that game and be like oh i'm in so it's a smart hire. It just seems like it's coming way too late. And, and maybe they were targeting her all along, and she just wasn't ready to leave Sony. Who knows? There yeah. may be stuff going on behind the scenes. But you just about. you have to continually ask about Stadia, like, what was the plan? Yeah. It doesn't seem like there was Even one. just launching it when they did, like, 
you clearly weren't ready to yeah. follow up on with that. It was like, almost like they they said we made the announcement and now we we have to launch it to save face. Yeah. It was like the tech was in place but nothing else was there. Yeah. So, and still it's not. Yeah. So um I wish them luck. I don't wish ill will on no. any company. I want every company in this industry to thrive. And I will say this, even though it's a little late, this is a smart move for Stadia. Mm-hmm. It's not going to hurt, that's for sure. It's only going to help. So, And but, another platform to give talented developers a place to make games with freedom, creative freedom, that maybe other publishers wouldn't afford them, uh, that's a good place to be too. You know? Absolutely. You're seeing yeah. some of that from Apple Arcade as well. Yeah, that's true. Yep. These guys coming into the industry in some ways are doing things better yeah I but think in some can... ways doing things way worse but like it doesn't help if it doesn't catch on <laughs> yep you're right so, well and that's... also if you think about it shannon helped turn around suny sony santa monica like they were at a point where they were very stagnant with god of war and found a way to re-energize a franchise so if there's anyone that can help make studio uh, make stadia more exciting in any capacity with new properties shannon might be the one to do it did she revive Sony Santa Monica? I mean, I don't know if it was ever dead. I don't think it was in dire straits or anything, but like... You All know, their games have sold over 10 million yeah. copies at, the at least. At the very least, she did supervise the revamping of one of their most proven franchises into something completely different, which at least takes vision. Yeah, but I would say her, to me, her biggest accomplishment there was navigating key departures. Yeah. Because you had big developers leaving the studio. You had Stig leave, you had mm-hmm. David Jaffe leave. Navigating and- big departures and handling upper management of sony because as we all know sony can be that's true difficult at times especially when it comes to kind of the interface between the home office in japan yep so big move smart move i think we all agree and uh, we'll cross our fingers and hope that it pays Mm -hmm. dividends because i still want to keep my mind open to stadia that it can be a success it can be something that i want to use i want to play another game by jade raymond exactly and that's the only way we're going to be able to do it so What are you going to do? We're going to have to jump in at some point. All right, let's move on. We're going to talk next about E3 2020 again uh, because every week something new happens mm-hmm. that uh, I would say destroys my hope that it's actually going to happen. So every week there's some new detail that pops up. Somebody leaves or something happens that erodes my trust that E3 2020 is actually going to be a thing. Mm-hmm. And this week... I am 8-Bit, the company that the ESA had hired to basically decorate E3 and create a completely different vibe Mm -hmm. at the show, resigned. And to reiterate, again, we are friends with the people at I am 8-Bit. John Gibson, Mm -hmm. I've known for literally like 15 years. He's the founder of I am 8-Bit. I've worked with them a ton. They came in and decorated our, our offices at Game Trailers. They're great people. They're really talented. Um, and Make some really good vinyls. Yep. And they bailed. Um, what does this tell you, Matt? It tells me that E3 is in danger. Yes, like grave <laughs> like, danger. Like someone made a made a it was a like a a photo photo macro of um, Ralph from The Simpsons, except he stuck the E3 logo on over him and just said, Haha, "I'm in danger." And I'm like, <laughs> "Yeah, yeah, you are. Yes, you are." Um, I mean, especially the last line on I am Eight Bits, like announcement tweet which was basically like we wish them the best of luck in their endeavor which is a pretty standard like boilerplate like thing when you part ways in business with someone but for some reason this time it felt real ominous it really did um why do you think this has happened do you think it's because do you think i am a bit is just following the crowd and getting out or do you think there were conflicts over create creative that doesn't sound like i am a bit to me it's this feels like especially this far out and this you know, relatively short after the announcement that they were going to do it, 
to me, this sounds like they saw what kind of a shit show this thing was going to be and how out of touch the ESA is on what it needed to be and just decided, no, we can't. We, we're not going to put ourselves through this. We don't want our reputation to suffer from being part of this, and we got to go. Yeah. Like, that would be – I mean, I have no evidence of that. I do not have any insider info on that kind of thing. But m- if my guess from knowing how the ESA rolls and how IM 8-bit rolls and sort of the timing of this – says to me that this is IM8-bit saying, like, yeah, we got to bail because this is not going to work. Yeah, I I tend to agree with you. I think the admittedly very older, um, stodgier folks at the ESA, Mm -hmm. my guess is that IM8-bit came in to do exactly what they thought they were supposed to do, which is save this freaking show, turn it upside down, make it something different, make it something that consumers want to go to, um, and make it I, something that pops and makes you say, like, oh, wow, look at this. Yeah. It, and it, honestly, make it something that people want to go to again. Right. And I, my guess is the people at the ESA were like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> Slow your roll yeah. there. We're, we don't, first of all, we don't get this. Second of all, all our friends in this industry are just yeah, as old like, as us. Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> what is a pixel? <laughs> exactly. <That> kind of, <laughs> But uh, look, I can see I am eight bit coming in and being like, okay, so we're gonna have a stage over here where we're gonna have a DJ, and we're gonna have a, a stage over here where there's gonna be bands in between. There's gonna be like these platoon. Like I can yeah. see them having these gigantic ideas, yeah, like huge like blow ups of like this like amazing art and so you know like basically like what if you made the whole lobby look like something that resembled like the end of the pixel art gallery into some, you know here's the, what I over would the say. side or something like there's, there's tons of things you could do to really revamp this thing and make it look less like it's just another convention well i look and i am ape it was probably the people to do it yep i've been in like the electronic music scene rave scene whatever you want to call it since 1993 and i don't go to a lot of big festivals anymore i used to go to some of them because i can get in free i have a friend who works for a big production company here called insomniac and he can get me into like edc and all their big raves and you go to one of those and you see how they decorate. Mm-hmm. And then you look at E3, and you're just like, wait a minute, who's dropping the ball here? Because they will go to a fairgrounds where there's just nothing but a flat piece of grass. And they will create a world, literally a world, hmm. with just gigantic installations. It's a lot like um, like Burning Man. Mm-hmm. But it's, mm-hmm. you know, they bring it all in, and they can set that up in three days, have the party, the rave, for two days... And then tear it down in two days, and they're out of there. If they can do that, what is the ESA's excuse for why E3 looks exactly the same every year and has for, like, tw- the whole- forever? Yeah. There's no theme to it. Like, even Tokyo Game Show, which I will fully admit is a dumpy show. Like, mm-hmm. the- at least they theme the show every year. There's, like, a, a some kind of, like, a, a through line that is a part of that entire show. E3 does nothing like that. Yeah. It's the the lack of creativity. E3 feels like a parent that like is yeah. just like expects you to be grateful that you can hang out in your in their living room. Right. It's it's the dad who's like <laughs> yeah. I bought you a keg of beer. What more do you want? Yeah. Like that's it. Like and so I could totally see knowing these guys. That is a really good description of E3. It is. <laughs> like in terms of like what it's like to be there. Yeah. yeah. It's like there's a keg of beer. Get yourself a solo cup and start drinking. Yeah, it took like, them what, like two years to figure out how to manage lines right, properly when right. they started letting the public in. Like, and I'm sure I am a bit rolled in there. And they're like our age. They're not. They're not young and foolish. They're not old and like set in their ways. They they're wise. They've been in the industry for a long time. They're the they're... perfect age, just like us. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you nailed it. <laughs> but what I'm saying is they're at that perfect zenith of. <laughs> 
knowing a lot and not being old enough to where you've kind of closed yourself off to new yeah. ideas. It's That's where you want to be. But it's, I'm like four years away from that. I can't wait. <laughs> can't wait to not listen to anything ever again. <laughs> We're getting there. We're getting there. We're um, there. And my guess is that they rolled in there with these big ideas. The ESA, maybe if the, even if the ESA just pushed back a little bit, like – if they don't have to say no, we're not doing any of that. I feel like if the ESA was just like, well, we like these two things, mm-hmm. but the other ten things, I, and I think that would have been more yeah. than enough to get well, them. Well, especially off because, the like, I feel like if you're IM eight bit, maybe I'm misreading IM eight bit tremendously here, but I feel if I'm in IM eight bits position, I feel like I'm the one doing them the favor. Yeah, absolutely. Yep, and I think that's the way Keeley felt too. Yeah, yeah, you're probably With right. The Coliseum and you're everything. Probably right. Yep, and I think a lot of people feel like they've been doing. And I'll be, I'll be honest with you. The fact that I found out that, like, hardly any journalists get into free for E3, that completely changed yeah. my perspective of the show. Mm-hmm. Completely. That's when I really understood you where paid, the, You paid to have your... Uh, people are paying your, them yeah. money to give to them get, coverage. Yep. The, the ESA Aren't needs, you supposed to disclose that according to uh, the... Uh, you, you are, yeah. according to laws, yeah. The ESA the needs to get way younger. And at this point... You don't have to go that much younger, and there are people like us, and I'm not saying we, they should hire us. Yeah, but not it. <laughs> not not it. it. But pe- there are tons of people like us who get it, who have been in the industry long enough, who have worked in business long enough to understand what is or is not possible and can formulate a plan that is both doable and is going to resonate with the younger audience and the people mm-hmm. are trying to get into the show. That place just needs gutted. Yeah. Let's be and, honest. And honestly, like – you could probably cancel or postpone E3 because of the coronavirus, and it would arguably be the best thing that could happen to it. Yeah. Because you have an excuse to not put it on now. So that's As my final question. Yeah. Is it is it going to happen? I think there's a, a very decent chance that we don't have an E3 this year. I believe so, Or at the very least, there's no show. But, like, everyone does everything. They still do their as directs Nintendo directs and all that and they, stuff. And, you know, or, like, don't have... It's like a week of reveals, yeah, but like nobody, no does a, physical no, nobody does a live audience show yeah. this time. They just... There may not be any live audience shows at all in like two weeks. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they're talking about like playing NHL games without fans in the stands right yeah, now. Yeah, I saw that. And, like, Ohio is already a th- starting to pass a thing. I think they're talking about today about no more fans at sporting events. Yes, the San Jose Sharks are going to play games in an empty arena. How bizarre is that? It could happen to the NBA playoffs too. So. I, I would say the chances of E3 happening right now are at about 25%. Yeah, we would need great. a drastic turnaround of... I the, mean, look, they, they killed South by Southwest yeah. and Coachella. Yeah, Coachella like, still... Postponed October. Oh, they did? Yeah, they pushed it. I saw yesterday that they were saying it looks like it's going to get postponed. No, they postponed they it did. to October. Wow. <laughs> My favorite tweet about that was somebody tweeted, like, God, I hope Coachella doesn't get canceled because I love when those people are gone for a while. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. I haven't gone to Coachella. I think that's a New York like, specific thing. Yeah, yeah. I haven't gone to Coachella in like five years. I yeah. just the lineups just haven't appealed to me. And it's a it's a it's a dust up going there, man. It's, it's literally a, and figuratively. It's a trip. It is in multiple forms of many the word. many ways. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's fun though. So if any of you guys out there are thinking about going to Coachella someday, it's a young, I, it's a young man's game. I had gone like seven years in a row at that point, <laughs> and now it's like if there's not bands I want to see, I'm not just going for the experience. Right. Now. Yeah. So. So anyway, things are not... I want to pay seven bucks for water. I can do that in L.A. (laughs) Uh, Things are not looking good for E3 2020. Uh, What do you think... What kind of impact would that have on the industry if it doesn't happen? Um, I think the main impact impact would be that when it has no impact on sales later in the year, everyone realizes they don't need E3 It may never come back. Just like Sony. Yeah, it's possible. All right. Let's move on. We're going to talk next about an auction, but not just any auction. 
an auction for a one-of-a-kind piece of hardware, mm-hmm. literally one-of-a-kind, the Nintendo PlayStation. Uh, this, for those of you who don't know, was a joint project between Nintendo and Sony mm-hmm. before, it, kind of in between the Super Nintendo and the N64 and the yeah. PlayStation. Like, this is what Nintendo's next system was going to be after the Super Nintendo, pretty much. In, in conjunction with Sony, obviously. Yeah. And and, then, and the results, the, the, the split that happened as a result of this was what convinced Sony to make their own console. Right. Um, what The footage you're seeing right now, and we did put up kind of a note, but I want to say it on, uh, on the show as well. I want to thank the Ben Heck Show for the footage of this um, because there's no other real good footage of it online. Uh, so thank you very much for supplying this to us. Um, what happened was... This they we've known about this console for a long time. Yeah, we knew it. It was a project, and that there were some prototypes made, but everybody thought that they had all been destroyed because Sony said they had all been destroyed. Mm-hmm. Uh, but as it turns out, a few months ago, a son was looking through his dad's attic, and he came across this, <laughs> and he was like, "What the hell is this?" And he goes to his dad. His dad is like, "Oh, I bought that at an estate sale." For $75 years ago, and I threw it up in my attic. I had no idea what it was. His son finds it and is like, Dad, you have, like, the most rare console in the world. And at first, the son didn't believe it. He's like, this can't be true, like, because there's no prototypes. Everybody Mm -hmm. knows that there there are none that exist. Turns out there was one that survived, and his father had it. And I guess initially – People were making offers to his dad for this. He said his highest offer was $1.2 million for this console. Wow. It finally went to auction this past week where it sold for $360,000. So way below one of those initial offers, Mm -hmm. if that is true, in fact. Maybe he he could have been saying that to drive up the auction. That's possible. And also, like, just because someone offers you that doesn't mean they're going to pay it. Exactly, yeah. Because when the rubber hits the road and they have to write that check, yeah. some people get cold feet sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, but And so then, before they even put it up for auction, he took it to the Ben Heck Show. Because if you don't know the Ben Heck Show, if you're into tech, you should know about it already. If you love tech, go watch it right now and you'll thank me in the comments of this show. In my opinion, well, he has... a few shows that would have the, the guts to take that thing apart. Yep. And I'll say this, the only show where the owner would trust the person yeah. to do it. Yeah. And so they took it in. They let him completely disassemble it, fix it, and get it to work. So ultimately, and it's like a series of videos, he gets the thing to actually work. Um, so it was a working prototype. This wasn't just an idea that they talked about and they brainstormed about and maybe put a, cup, a couple like rough mock-ups together. They actually manufactured the hardware for this thing. How different would things be if this had come out? Can you even like incomprehensibly fathom it? I mean, not just like Sony not being in the, in, in the industry, but Nintendo using discs. Yeah, in the mid nineties, right before right like, before the N sixty four. Yeah. Now keep in mind, this system used both cards, both of them, yeah. and a disc drive, which which I mean, was the Sega model. Yeah, I mean, the, yeah, it's like. It probably is what Nintendo should have put out instead. Yeah. Now, as Ben Heck dug into this, what he did discover is that most of the hardware was basically a Super Nintendo. Mm-hmm. So it probably wasn't final. They, you know, they, Well, obviously it wasn't final because they never actually mass produced it. But I think ultimately it would have ended up being different than what yeah. that prototype is. But It seemed like more of an, an add-on, like a Sega CD thing right. almost. Yeah. It's not – because that's the thing. Like, like Sony – 
with the PlayStation jump started the move to 3D for consoles, yep. which is probably coming on PC anyway. Yeah. But like in consoles, they really they really jumped in there, and like I think one of the reasons the N64 was the way it was is because Nintendo knew that's the direction that Sony was going to go. Yeah. Because they worked they, with they it. Worked with them. The... They knew what they wanted to do. Maybe that was the disagreement at some point. Yeah. Whereas with Sega. One of the reasons the Saturn was caught so flat-footed was they didn't realize the Saturn was a super 2D powerhouse. Yeah. It could make 2D stuff better than pretty much any system on the planet except maybe a couple of arcade boards right. at the time. And what they basically had to do when Sega realized that the future was going to be uh, 3D because it was dr- being driven by the PlayStation, they basically bolted 3D hardware to the top of the Saturn's motherboard. Mm-hmm. That, that's, that's, it's, that's for a, lack of a better... For lack of a better description, <laughs> that's basically what the Saturn is. Yeah. It's like, oh, you need a 3D card on that thing. And that's why, it's, <laughs> that's why it looks so terrible. Yeah, that's why um, it also failed. Yes. And so, like, I think if this had come to fruition... This, the landscape of the 90s in terms of console gaming just would have been completely different because Nintendo would have had the stranglehold on it and they would have been able to direct where it went. Because yeah. I don't think Sega would have done any better in that scenario. Yeah. Um, they might have still been around past the Dreamcast because they wouldn't have been crushed so, so By much. By the PlayStation 2. But I also think it's very arguable that gaming wouldn't have blown up in the mainstream the way it did after Sony kind of turned it into yeah. cool. You know, Thank turn- God this happened. Thank yeah. God that that didn't come out. I think it's better that this Yeah, I think we ended up in a better timeline Absolutely. as a result of that. Uh, the other thing I should add, too, is that the person who won the auction was the founder of Pets.com, who struck there, it rich back never in— Never thought that would be back in the news, <laughs> but here we are. He struck it rich back in the early internet days with Pets.com. Mm-hmm. Somebody bought it for an ungodly amount of yeah. money, and it was closed and Then it like, instantly nosedived into the ground. It was yeah. closed like 10 months later or yeah. whatever. So he, he Remember all the Super Bowl ads? For yeah. That? yeah. He really got lucky. Yeah. Um, so if I were him, I'd throw money around too because it's yeah. like you basically hit the Might lottery. as well. Now, the one thing – I do agree with uh, Chris Kohler and some others who were saying like – because the guy's talking about, like, opening his own game museum, and Chris Calder basically said, hey, you know what would be better is people that have all these really rare, valuable gaming history objects could donate them to the one of the existing museums that already does a great job so we could have this amazing collection in one place and yeah. not have a bunch of competition on that. I think he that's not what say he's going to now. Uh, did, they, did he change his mind yeah, on that? Yeah, all right, that's he's, good. He's going to donate it to. I mean, what do you think about that? Buying something for three hundred and sixty k and just giving it to a museum? I mean, he can afford it. And yeah, like yeah. It, and one assumes crazy. that if you bought this for that amount of money, you love games and you love the history of games and you want to see it. Like you bought because you want to see it preserved. You want to. You want yeah. to be. You know. Do you think it was worth that money? Because you got to think about. Okay, he won the auction, but there were other people that were yeah. bidding it up to that amount. So there was more than one person who thought it was worth I this mean, much. What do you think? I mean. To be honest, something like I mean, a one of a kind, something like this that only you know, it's a fine twenty some years later. Uh, it's basically priceless. Yeah, like how do you the, even put the, a dollar? The amount dollar on amount on it is how much people were willing to pay for it. Yeah, it's that simple. Yeah, like that's that's how much that it's like movie memorabilia. It's like if you find a screen worn dress from Gone with the Wind. How much is that worth? It's worth however much it goes at auction when you sell it. Yeah. Like that's – There's no way to determine There's no, there's no way to get – I mean you can assume bidding starts around, you know, 300000 400000 for something like that. But you never know where it's going. Yeah. It's true. So, it, I mean it's, it's – honestly, that's a pretty low price for that, I think. You think? I, I mean well, – I guess if one guy offered him one point two, Something like that, that one of a kind, something that like represents this like this like almost mythical – period of time when Nintendo and Sony were working together on this thing that we never thought we'd actually get to see or hold in our hands. Like, I could have seen that going 500000 Like, no no question. Yep. Like, I think that's a pretty good price. 
Hey, Mitch, series. what do you think would have happened if that console had come out one day, back in the day? My entire childhood would be completely different. Yeah. Because <laughs> uh, my first console was a PlayStation. So that's a lot of people's first consoles. Yeah. And then that skewered my entire childhood to PS2, then PS3. I know I had an Xbox 360 at the time, but you know, so many properties, so many characters, who know if they would even exist if yeah, Sony didn't go its own Bandicoot. route. That's a shame. <laughs> we would have not got the great commercials of Crash Bandicoot making fun of Nintendo outside yeah. with this microphone speaker thingy. Poss possibly a, a direct result of the breakdown of this project. <laughs> it could, it's, it could be Crash possible. caused it all. Yeah. Would Matt, even if you had unlimited amounts of money, would you ever spend that much money for a console? For that, no, probably not. I mean, like if you had his money, would you have bought this for three hundred sixty k? I think I might have if I felt like the other people that wanted it were not going to treat it correctly. Good point. Yeah. Like if I felt like someone's just going to get someone it was going to get it or start a YouTube channel. Or yeah, or, or like just like keep it for themselves or like yeah. dismantle it or like. Do, like smash it with a hammer or something because they get, were like you, a nintendo yeah, fanboy like or something like that would be like something i might if to protect i protect it yeah, yeah. If, if i was never going to miss the money yeah. like yeah i might you know like i think palmer lucky was one of the high bidders at one point i might step in to save it from him ah. yeah that kind of thing <laughs> gotcha but like it would be like a i want to preserve this historical object thing not like i want i think it's worth that to spend that amount of money on this thing to keep in my living room like that would be two different two very different things yep uh speaking of history our next topic is all about history as well but it's ancient history mm. um this week it was announced that ghost of tsushima finally has a release date it's june 26th right in the smack dab in the middle of summer uh were you surprised that we got this date i was really starting to think that it would be End of year, PS4, mm. PS5 kind of crossed. I thought that was thing. possible. I think when we talked about it before, I guessed it was going to be like an August, like August, September, or, or you know, kind of a, a kickoff for the holiday season game. Yeah. Because I thought, I thought, I think we maybe said last year sometime that it was possible it could be like Sony's sort of June E3 around really. Because they did release Last of Us 1 in June. Yep. Like I think the, the actually, the, I remember I actually went and picked up my copy at GameStop in West Hollywood, like, after, right after E, like the last day of E3, because they're doing a midnight launch, and uh, Troy Baker was signing stuff, so I went to see him and and have him sign my my, my box and everything. Yep. And uh, so it was literally the week of E3, because um, I went on the way home from the convention from the show. Yeah. Uh, so it's not impossible that, but when when Last of Us Two slipped to May, I thought that the chances of a June Tsushima probably went away and yeah. went, and they push it to august they would to think space that they would out. go back to back with two huge first party yeah. exclusives that we, everyone has been waiting literally like years for years I, for i wouldn't have but i'm glad they are because we get we get them sooner you know, I, yeah. this is my probably most anticipated game right now i mean i know i probably should be more excited about cyberpunk but i'm not because i love sucker punch yeah and i'm just excited to play something by sucker punch again well i had an epiphany today taking Thank god this game is gorgeous it is i had an epiphany today taking a shower getting ready for the show and i was thinking about naughty dog and rockstar and how generally they make games that are kind of a cut above all the other developers but then i started thinking about it and i'm like but they get eight years to make a game mm -hmm. so it better be it, right so look <laughs> at sucker punch how long has it been since their last release three years um what was their last release like the the standalone thing for infamous second i think second son so. yeah like the, with the standalone with the girl with the neon yeah, powers yeah yeah, so that was like 
was it like 2014? Yeah. So it's been five years, I guess. Yeah. Well, they're getting a lot of time, too. My yeah. question to you is, are these studios actually better than other studios? Or are they just getting so much time that, like, if you couldn't make a game that good in that amount of time, maybe you should find another vocation? I mean, that's... That's a, a cynical but probably fair statement, but at the same time, you still have to execute. You, you do. still have to do but it. But when you have eight years to do it, it's like you look at like a game like yeah, well, we'll Doom, see how, Doom Eternal. We'll see how Star Citizen turns out. Yeah. Well, look. <laughs> some things are beyond help. <laughs> right. right. Or sometimes the scope and ambition outstrips your abilities mm-hmm. or your time. But How many years was Final Fantasy fifteen in development? Yeah. Right. And it ended up being crap still. Mm-hmm. Well, not crap, but... I not, mean, I think it was. It you certainly don't, you, wasn't... You don't, you don't dislike that game as much as I yeah, do. Yeah, it like, certainly wasn't worthy of the development time. I right. Would, I would definitely I would say the same that. thing is true of Kingdom Hearts 3. Yep, I would agree with that as well. Um, so... And they had much more of a template to follow than they do for Ghost of Tsushima. It's just, I think about Ubisoft teams. You think about, like, the teams that are working on games like Doom Eternal, mm-hmm. where they take two or three years, and they make amazing games. Are they... Grand Theft Auto level? Are they the Last of Us level? No. They're mm-hmm. not quite there. Red Dead Red Redemption? No. But, dude, they did it in two years. Yeah. I mean, it's also just sort of, that's Sony's MO these days, is these boutique, you know, like, brag-worthy games. You know, they want these games they can have. They, they, yeah. they want games they can put into a display case and say, look what's on our console, you know? I, I totally get that. So, and it's a smart strategy for Sony. I just... If you I, have the money for it, yeah. I just... I think today I realize, like, a lot, there's, like, a lot of hero worship around those studios that mm-hmm. get all that time to make games. I don't know if it's really warranted, because... Also, I mean, remember, I don't like Uncharted 4, right, so I don't think right. it works out every time. That's true. Yeah. I mean... A theme or something like that for a lot of people can just completely mm-hmm. destroy the uh, enjoyment of a game. But it's or a Sam. But you know, if you ask most people, like, what's the best developer in the gaming industry? They'll say like it's Naughty Dog or it's Rockstar yeah. North. I wouldn't say I'm not. Very but are they? I'm not very comfortable with that question because I don't know enough about game development to say who the best. That's is. fair. I yeah. can name you my favorites. Yeah, but like, you know, uh, uh, one of my favorites, Team Eco, Last Guardian. Not so good. That's had a, a lot long of years. Time too. Yeah. Like it doesn't always work out. Yeah, it like doesn't. you do still have to have the vision and the talent and and the and then just the ability to step away from it enough to know what's good and what isn't. You know, um, and that's it's hard to be a tastemaker. Yeah. yeah, and that's hard. Like it's hard to know when you're working on something for any length of time whether it's good or not. Um, I'm in the middle of that right now with the short films. Mm-hmm. Um, that happened. I uh, years and years ago, I was at a at a Christmas party and ran into James Gunn. Um, and he was in the middle of making Guardians of the Galaxy One, and I I I met him a couple times at G Four because we'd interviewed him for things and Lollipop Chainsaw. And I stuff. worked with him for two. You worked days. with him for a, for a while, yeah, <laughs> for two days straight and, at AVN and I went in up, Vegas. And I went up to him and I asked, like, uh, you know, I asked, like, how's it going? Because I was interested. Because like, you know, I didn't know much about that Marvel property. I'm like, I was, he's, and he was like, I I hope it's good. I think we're working. It, we're you know we're editing it right now. Like they're letting me do whatever I want, and I think it's gonna. I think it's gonna be cool. I think I think it is. I can't tell because I'm I'm making yeah. it, and it's like. And that was, I always remember that because it always makes me feel better that even, like, someone who had as the experience and talent of James Gunn, who, like, and made, and the Guardians 1 is a great, great oh, yeah. superhero movie. Yeah. And, like, like, even if you're working on that, you're still not sure because yeah. you you're so know. close to it. Well, you don't you, know until you snap yeah. it all together. Yeah. It's, like, because the way you do projects today, it's, like, you... You create these discrete little boxes that you have to complete. Mm-hmm. And then at the end, you start snapping them all together and assembling them. Uh, and it's the same thing with, like, a show. Uh, like, Sifted HQ. It's like, 
Mitch and I work separately on our own segments for that show. We mm-hmm. talk at the beginning of the week, like these are the segments we want in there, and then he and I both go on our own way and just start working on our segments. And like for the first episode, we had all those segments, and I'm like, these all seem pretty cool. But what's it like when they all get put together and right. assembled into a show? And you don't know until you do it. And I was very pleased with how that worked out. But sometimes it doesn't. Like, sometimes little the pieces seem good, and then you put them together, mm-hmm. and they're not a great whole. So Yeah. I mean, I'm building that new Lego Star Destroyer right now. And sometimes <laughs> it's, it's just like I'm putting – Let me just I, work on this turret. I'm like, I don't know days. what this is, but I hope it <laughs> – Snaps together. Snaps somewhere. together into something that looks like a triangle. I don't, yeah. I, yeah. I'm sorry, Mitch. What did you say? Uh, to your initial question when you said like, if they take so long to make games, well, the only thing I would counteract with your argument is something like Ubisoft or even Doom. They know what type of property they're making. Sucker Punch made something completely different. Started almost an entire project from scratch in a sense from superhero games to history in, J- in Japan. So I think they're, they – Allowing more time for that. That's is, Sucker Punch, mm-hmm. though. What about everybody else? What about Rockstar North? They know what they're making. Naughty Dog knows what it's making. Yeah, but I would say the Uncharted game came out sooner than this Last of Us Part Two one did. Did it? I don't know if it did. They worked on that game a long time, and it was delayed like several I think times. It was four years. Yeah, about four years. I think that sounds right. And then they got Lost Legacy out pretty fast. Yeah. Which is which a different team, I think. Yeah. It was which is also another team. reason why, you know, the the sequel part two took a little bit of time because people were working on Lost Legacy. So, mm-hmm. you know, there's justification for the time there. It's taken about four years. I also think that Last of Us 2 seems like they've reinvented the wheel pretty strongly. It does. Like, yeah, that's true. It doesn't feel like they just made it again. Yeah. We'll and see. there were hints in some interviews to say that Sucker Punch – you know, when they were working on this project specifically, they had to start all over multiple times because it wasn't working mm-hmm. the way they were hoping it to. It's also, it's like they haven't really made an intricate melee combat system before. So this will be interesting to see how that works out. Yep. Yeah, mostly they've worked with projectiles. Stuff. Projectiles are like, the, Sly Cooper had melee combat, but it was very simple sort of, you know, yeah. pr- just platformer the style button. stuff. Yeah. Yep. Um, I'm really jacked up for Ghost of Tsushima. Mm-hmm. This summer is going to be amazing. Look, if we don't have E3, at least we're getting Ghost of Tsushima yeah. and The Last of Us Part Two to make up for it. Uh, I think the rest of the year is pretty much going to be pretty stellar. Yeah. My other question is, like, we don't know anything Nintendo's got after Animal Crossing. Yeah. Like, well, I mean, we know Metroid Prime 4 and stuff like that. Well, I mean, we know it's in there. So I don't think Metroid Prime 4 is this year. I don't either um, at all. But, like, we don't know the rest of the year from Nintendo Breath after of the Animal Wild Crossing. 2. 50-50, probably. Mm, like, we yeah. got to get a direct sometime. Yeah, right? you're right. I mean, they've kind of went through all the stuff they've announced at this point. Yeah. I mean, they've released it all, which is great. But now... I guess the Xenoblade uh, remaster is somewhere in here. Yeah, it'll come out sometime this year. I don't think there's a hard date for it yet, I don't though. think so. But a direct... I, would, I think I would know that because I'm excited about that. Yep. Uh, so anyway, Ghost of Tsushima coming June 26th. And it's a PS4 exclusive for now. PS5, yeah. though, it's going to play on PS5. Everything, Yeah, everything's going to play on PS5. Yep. Pretty much everything. All right, let's move on. We're going to talk next about sports. <laughs> um, this one might actually be a topic that even people who don't care about sports games all that much might be interested in. Well, let's see. We'll see. Um, <laughs> you, well, you might be one of them, actually. Um, it was announced this morning that after a 15-year hiatus, 15-year mm-hmm. hiatus, 2K and the NFL 
have signed a deal to work on games together. Crazy. Uh, what you're seeing right now... EA losing license exclusivity left and right. ...is NFL 2K5. Now, there's a caveat. So, in the announcement today, and I have, like, the quotes here that I can read you guys just to make sure I get everything exactly right. Um, it's not going to be a football simulation. So, EA... It's going to be a Star Wars game, believe it or not. <laughs> So, apparently, EA's exclusive license with the NFL is to make a very specific type of football game, which is a simulation. Mm. So, 2K cannot make NFL 2K20 or whatever, unfortunately. Um, they but, but they can make, like, NFL Blitz. They probably alike. could make, like, an arcade-style football game, but that does not sound like what they're planning on doing. Um, an RPG? David, David Ismailer, I think that would be great, by the way. Yeah. The president of 2K, that. David Ismailer, said, We're thrilled to be back in business with the NFL in a partnership that will span multiple video games centered on fun, approachable, and social experiences. Hmm. Which leads me to believe mobile games. Yeah. Mobile game, like mingle player. Like, I, at build, first I build thought. Build your football player sort of thing. But see, that, so at first I thought it might be like a football manager type thing where you mm. don't actually play the games, you just manage the rosters. That's, and this seems too much like. But that's a sim. Coach, yeah, coach I mean, it's mode. a sim. That's yeah. as sim as it gets. So they can't do anything like that. So I think you're right. I think it's either an arcade style football game in the vein of NFL Blitz or NFL Hits or whatever the hell they mm-hmm. ended up being called towards the end there. NFL Blats. Yeah. And I think it's going to be like kind of what you were saying earlier where you have like like apps that let you like design NFL uniforms just like mm-hmm. I think it's all going to be goofy stuff like that where's the XFL games that there are no XFL games and my I would argue that, pro- that that started right yeah XFL's it's now in like quote week, unquote week back four and uh the ratings have been cut in half every week since the first <laughs> week uh they think it's going to make it to a season two which the other league that started last year the afl wasn't able to do they mm. didn't even make it to week four of their season before that league folded. i don't even know what that is yeah exactly um and so the xfl looks like it's going to stick around for at least a second year i would not count on any video games being a, made on i have a XFL. question why do the names of sports teams that aren't like the NFL, like when they have the XFL, or AFL, like whatever, how come the names of their teams always sound so stupid? Is it just because we're used to the NFL's names? I think Or is there something it, different about how the NFL names teams? No, I think part of it is that a lot of the best names have been taken by the mm-hmm. NFL already. And, okay. and another problem, too, is that a lot of team names are based on something regional. Um, so the Steelers. They're from right. Pittsburgh. That was the heart of Steel Country back when the team was formed. So it made sense for them. Like right now, Seattle is getting ready to have an NHL team. And they're trying to decide on the name for the NHL team. And it starts playing, I believe, next year. And the names for the team are like insane. It's like Sockeyes, the Krakens, like just all, but they all relate to Seattle in some way. Even thinking mm-hmm. back to like, when Seattle had an NBA team called the Supersonics. Supersonics. Like, what does that even mean? Like, Didn't they come from somewhere else with that name? Right. And like, like how we have the Lakers? Yeah, exactly. And there's no lakes in L.A. Right. It, so sometimes you name them based on a regional thing. And then you're right. Sometimes those teams go somewhere else. And it makes even less yeah. sense. Why so, asked somebody once why, why they're called it. the Lakers and they thought it was because L- Lake starts with L.A.? No. <laughs> I'm like, no, that's not it. <laughs> I believe because they came from... Minnesota. Yeah. Land of Thousand Lakes yeah, or whatever exactly. it is. Yeah, yep. Same with, like, the Dodgers. 
were the Brooklyn Trolley Dodgers. Right. Yeah. And now like, you, had, makes... you had to run across the trolley tracks to get to the stadium. Yep. And now you're just like, that makes no, the, there are no trolleys here. Yeah. Well, it's like uh, the Utah Jazz. Right. The it's, Jazz were originally in New Orleans, Orleans. And then yeah. they moved to Utah. And there's no jazz in Utah. Mm-hmm. White people don't like jazz. <laughs> or maybe, was the Supersonics name because there's like the Boeing fact? Like there's, yeah. There's like that's it's related to planes. Yeah. yeah. That's exactly why. Uh, so that's, there's a lot that goes into naming teams. So there's no true and hard rule as to why mm-hmm. some teams have goofy names or not. Um, but a lot of it is because at this point, so many team names have been taken. You start thinking about college sports where there's 150 right. teams and all that stuff's copyrighted. It's like you can't name your team something like that because mm-hmm. there's already a team that has it and has the rights to it. So and sometimes like the weird vague stuff works. Like the yeah. Stanford Cardinals, which are not yeah. actually named after the bird, they're named after the color. Well, a lot of Very soccer weird. teams so the are put, a tree. Yeah, a lot of soccer teams are just named like Real Los Angeles. Right. Like they don't even really have like a mascot name. So there's no hard and fast rule to how that stuff works. But anyway, back to 2K. Um to me, this isn't a big deal right now. I feel like 2K, this deal that it signed with the NFL, is just the foot in the door. It's like, we mm-hmm. need to start talking with you guys again. Because uh, I think 2K yeah, wants... the hope has to be that they're going to impress the NFL and, and convince the NFL that they shouldn't be exclusive to anyone anymore. I think the I think 2K wants to make a football game again. Like Absolutely. a real one. Like, I, a, like a Madden killer. I don't even care about football, but I want them to make a football exactly. game again. Because I used to like their 2K games. Well, I mean, so the B-roll that we were just showing you of NFL 2K5 mm-hmm. from 15 years ago... That's updated rosters. Lamar, oh, Lamar Jackson was the quarterback in that footage. Hmm. People are still playing that game and updating the rosters year after year. And you can go wow. online and get the download just like that and zap, boom, all those players are in there. So it shows you how much people mm-hmm. love that franchise. And so if they can get their foot in the door with uh, the NFL and they start saying, look at how we're doing with these little appy things that we're building for you guys. Um, look at the people who still want us to make NFL games. When those negotiations come up with EA again, the NFL will have a lot to think about. And I think that's exactly what's happening now. I don't think 2K cares if it makes a penny off of this stuff that it's doing with the NFL. I think it's all a Trojan horse to get them back into the good graces of the NFL, get back into the conversation with the NFL so that we can get NFL 2K25 or whatever it ends up Mm -hmm. being uh, when EA's deal expires. So it's big stuff. It may not seem like big stuff because what's going to come out of this actual deal Probably isn't going to be anything that people care about, but what it is leading to on down the road, I think, could be huge. Yeah, the reestablishment of that relationship is an important watershed. Yep, absolutely. All right, let's let's move on. We're going to talk next about something that people didn't want to believe and ultimately ended up being true. And that, and this is another Jason Schreier story from Kotaku. Mm-hmm. So once again, we want to give him credit uh, when he breaks something that ends up being true. And that is that Horizon Zero Dawn is absolutely coming to PC. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess the uproar on Twitter from the PlayStation fanboys, like when I saw today that Schreier was like, okay, so now that it ended up being true, are all you PlayStation fanboys going to apologize to me now? Of course nope. not. <laughs> of course not. That is definitely not going to happen. This really didn't seem like such a long shot of an idea. Once no, reported I mean, to it, us I, it didn't. Yeah. But if you're a fanboy... right. It, anything like that seems insane because that's Sony turning its back on you and it's Sony doing bad things to you. And, and you can't accept that when you're a fanboy. Everything Sony does is right when you're a fanboy. Um, well, but I would argue this, this is absolutely apparently. right. This is There's no reason not to do this. There's like no reason. The, Death Stranding got this engine running on PC and the, and the, the game is sold what it's going to sell on P- PS4. 
uh, you got a sequel in the pipeline that might be so as soon as launch this year. Yeah. Like, put this thing out there, put it on PC, let people play it, let people play it who haven't played it before, like, expand your audience, and hey, if they like it enough, they might buy a PS5 for the sequel this fall. Like, yep. That's, it makes a lot of sense. Like, you're not being deprived of anything. Nope. Hell, I'm going to get to play it again on PC and look better. Yeah. Like, I'm excited about that. It, it, and that's the thing. It will look a lot it better. It will. <laughs> it will run a and lot And it already better. looks amazing, but it, it's going to look even better. Yeah, it's going to look probably a lot better. Because you got to remember, this game also came out early in the life cycle of PlayStation 4. Yeah, so, this, was, this is what, three years ago? Yeah, so Gorilla at this point, I mean, we saw with Death Stranding. In fact, like, I think this it, it's th- third, and third birthday was th- this past week. Yeah, I think you're right, before. actually. I think you're right. And I think, you know, we've already seen what Gorilla is doing on PlayStation 4 in Death Stranding. Its engine, obviously, has mm-hmm. made leaps and bounds since this, since this game came out. Um, so it's going to look better on PC. Will it play better? I mean, why not? Maybe. You can plug in your PS4 controller I mean, if you anything, want to. Anything you can make run at a higher frame rate is going to play a little better. So Yep. Financially, what do you think uh, the implications of this are? And I will say this. PlayStation did go on the record when it was officially announced and it said this is not the start of quote something. Right. This isn't like don't expect all our games to come to PC right. in the Which future. Which is exactly what I've been saying for a long time since since this the Death Stranding announcement was made. Because I think I think this is literally only happening because Death Stranding got the engine running on PC. Probably. And it, it was a simple port. Yep. And and they Sony said like no look we still mm-hmm. we still are a hardware centric company we know we need to drive consumers to our own. Um, exclusive hardware. Don't expect this to happen with a bunch of other games. Basically, they said, this is an experiment. Mm -hmm. And we found a game that was perfect for the experiment, where it was low risk for us, and we can see if we start putting our first-party stuff out there so other people can experience it, maybe that person that plays this on PC sees Horizon Zero Dawn 2 is coming to PlayStation 5, and they pick up a PlayStation 5. Mm -hmm. It's... And I mean, maybe Only if, if this thing sells boy. like a million copies, yeah, you're probably going to see more PC versions of PlayStation exclusives. But I don't think it's going to do that. I think you're going to get two, two, 200,000, 300,000 copies of this thing sold, which is plenty. Yeah, I think it's Sony fine. just wants to use this as a as a way to convert people to their platform. Yeah. And it's like it's three years later. If you if you're a PlayStation fanboy and you haven't played this by now, you're not really a fanboy. Right. You played this the day it came out, and you played it for the next two months. So. I agree with you. I have no idea why these people are complaining. If anything, they should be happy because it's more money for PlayStation. It's more exposure for PlayStation, which it means it's more likely that more people will support PlayStation 5. Mm-hmm. So I think this is just a good thing all around for everybody involved. It's just salty tears from the fanboys because they lost something that they can't post in a forum anymore that they have that somebody else doesn't have. I mean, that's really what it comes down to. Yeah, it's just a team sport. It is. They're like, oh, I can't say Horizon is only on PlayStation now. I might lose an argument in the forums. Like, that's pretty much what happened with this. So, I hope you people do go apologize to Jason. I know you won't. But, uh... That's just par for the course working in this industry online. I mean, I've been going through crap like that for mm-hmm. over 20 years. So uh, ultimately, people like us know and appreciate Jason Schreier for the job that he does instead of going and berating him on Twitter. Hmm. Um, I don't know what people are thinking they're going to accomplish. Do I have think- a separate account for that. I'm wondering what their goal was. Was their goal to, like, in the future get him to not report stuff like this? I don't know. <laughs> what don't- was the objective? Now I'm going to stop you from reporting the truth. I guess like they believe that reality isn't real until someone perceives it. So 
Jason needs to stop seeing things that are true because otherwise they won't happen. It, it could be. I mean, it really probably is something that insane. It's it's very meta. Yeah. I think I think it's great. I think it's going to be good for PlayStation in a number of different ways. I think it's good for Gorilla. Um, the people that work on the games. Their games getting out to new people and new audiences. And really... It's going to be good for everyone to be able to play that game at a level no one's ever been able to. Yeah, remember that, ex- that game exclusivity, is going to be beautiful. Exclusivity in the in the end really only benefits the corporate holder of the platform in yes, question. Like true. it doesn't help us no, really. No, it would be great if we had one console. Sure, and I could buy every game on it. Um, I would not subscribe to that. I do like that there's competition because yeah. competition breeds innovation and blah, blah, blah. There's a million reasons why we need mm-hmm. competition. But but if Sony wants to throw nice. an exclusive on PC every once in a while, that's not a bad thing. It, no way. It's all, all good. And I cannot wait to play this game on my PC with my GTX 1080, which isn't even like a good, really good card anymore. Still way more powerful than the PlayStation 4. Yeah. And that game is going to look gorgeous, and I'm really excited about it. So you guys should too. And if none of you guys have played Horizon Zero Dawn, which I'm guessing a lot of people, PC gamers, have never played yeah, it. I know a lot of PC-centric players who like you know, they don't have consoles or they don't have a PlayStation 4, and they're excited about this because that was one of the few games that they saw that were like, oh, I'm interested in that, and yep. now they get to try it. Yep. And you know what? Horizon's so good that I could totally see a couple of them playing it and then not being able to wait for two. And, you know, I'm just going to get a PS5 yeah. and play Horizon 2. Yep. And then they'll start buying everything else on PlayStation and that's 5. that's how they get you. And that's how they get you. That's how you win. It's yep. smart. Sony's being... And fanboys should be happy about that. Absolutely. Because more money to Sony means yeah. more money for software development, more exclusives for you. It's good. It's all good people. All right. Let's move on. We're going to talk about... Today's a big Sony-centric show. Yeah. In fact, the last four topics have been big about Big change Sony. for the last, like five months it really is like we're finally getting some information coming out of that camp um so i was saying earlier about how naughty dog takes forever to to develop games and it's been a long time waiting for the last of us Mm -hmm. part two um we may have found out why at least it was delayed a little bit because naughty dog has been working with hbo on a series for the last of us um are you excited matt i know you're not a big fan of like zombie movies, mm-hmm. zombie TV shows. Will you make an exception for this? I mean, I will check it out mainly because uh, it's being co-written by the guy who wrote Chernobyl. Yeah, uh, who which I thought was a very he's good the show. head of the whole project, yeah. which is huge. Which I thought was a very good show. And by the way, very well people, told. If you have not watched Chernobyl yet on HBO, go watch it right now. Mm-hmm. In my opinion, the most underappreciated television show from last year. And and it wasn't underappreciated really, but it, I mean, but it, it just it should nobody have, watched because, it. Well, because it was HBO. Yeah, you know? it was it was HBO, and it wasn't Game of Thrones. It won know? awards, yeah. but like it, nobody watched it. It wasn't a part of the zeitgeist. I didn't mm. go on like social media and see people talking about last night's episode of Chernobyl. I mean, I did. It was so grim and bleak. I mean, I did, but I follow a lot of you know. Yeah, snobby film tr- film right. Twitter people. You know, it's like, but yeah, like you're right. It wasn't it wasn't the thing that trended as soon as it happened. Um, but it's very well written, very it's well very well structured. Um, it tells the story, even as someone who knows that story very well. I've read several books on that. Uh, what happened? And I knew, I know that ver- it varies from reality here and there in in the show, but it doesn't matter because it tells the story incredibly well. It gets it gets the information across in a very engaging and emotionally dri- driven manner. And honestly, I can't think of a, sh- a better showrunner to take nope. Last of Us, which is a very character-driven story in a very, if we're being honest, mundane setting yeah. for, you know, today's world. You know, we, the zombie apocalypses are a dime a dozen these days. Yeah. Um, and, like, 
he will make this interesting. Like yes. he will tell this story really well, and he's got Druckmann on. He will nail the tone, and, and so Druckmann will shepherd you know the characters, make sure everything's true to form, true to the lore, true to the original stuff. And I mean, I it's it's a bit of a dream team, frankly. It's it's the perfect combo. Yeah, the fact that Neil Druckmann is involved in this that so I, I and, read. But this, by the way, is more interesting than The Witcher in that in terms of that for, to me because The Witcher is drawing from the book source material. It is not a video game adaptation. This could be the first truly great video game adaptation. This follows the the first game. It's mm-hmm. set during the first game. We're not 100% sure if that means that it's going to follow the exact plot lines of the game well, it's, or I think stuff it, happening around, around the periphery of the things that happen in I, the Well, game. it is, I think, going to follow Joel and Ellie. Um, and I also – there's a lot of stuff we don't see in their journey. You know, we only get like, what, four or five stops on their cross-country yeah. trek. Tons of stuff could have happened in between there, and you can flesh that out. You can include events in the game. I mean, I I think you're going to basically be seeing it's almost going to be like The Last of Us director's cut. Interesting. In a sense. Like, I think you're just going to get more fleshed out, like, tale of their journey. Do that you think the big story beats that are in the game are going to be there, though? I think so. Kind of like uh, the game was kind of structured, like, as seasons. It's mm-hmm. like autumn and, you yeah. know, spring, fall, whatever. Um how does that work within the structure of a TV show? I don't know. Well, the structure of the TV show is the most interesting part because Chernobyl's structure is what makes it work. Uh-huh. So the structure of how the game plays out is not necessarily how you want to structure telling the story in a non-interactive medium. So I think they are going to find a way to tell the story structurally that makes it fascinating. Um, the Witcher tried to do something similar with the timeline jumping. I don't think yeah. they were entirely successful at that. But uh, sure, you know, the way Chernobyl tells the story where they kind of – you know, a lot of Chernobyl's runtime is almost review. Like it shows you what happens, and then it spends the rest of the season explaining explaining it. it yeah. You know, and like mm-hmm. you know, the, the this I can't remember his name unfortunately, but the guy definitely knows how to tell a story in the most interesting structural manner, and that is definitely what you need when you're adapting a video game premise. It's the even one narrative. as character and narrative driven as Last of Us was. You you need to do something a little different and I think they will get there. Just the tone of Chernobyl, if I take that and then I lay it over top of The Last of Us, it's yeah. perfect. Perfect. I love that they're working with this guy. It means it's going to have a very grim tone. Yeah. Instead of being kind of slapstick, tongue in cheek like a lot of zombie stuff is. It's going to be very true to form and i think it's going to be i think this one will be noticed i think it could be huge yeah like it could like take over the walking dead's audience the yeah. people who have lapsed from watching the walking dead like they could just all jump straight to and, rem- last of us. and this is uh, it's hbo yep and remember so they want violence. they want another game of thrones yeah so they will throw resources and oh, yeah. time at this that that, ne- that it needs, i mean the other so. part too is that it you know it doesn't have to be censored it, mm-hmm. All the swearing, nudity, violence, all that stuff, It a lot of the things that drew people to, you know, a lot of HBO's other well, big I, series. I do hope there's not a lot of gratuitous background sex scenes in the last well, yeah, adaptation, yeah. <laughs> but, like, yeah, I see yeah. what you're saying. I think we're hoping more for Game of Thrones than, what was the vampire was, show that I HBO had? I was thinking had? of Game of Thrones. Oh, oh I was thinking of the vampire show. True Blood. True Blood, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, Game of Thrones, but Game of Thrones did that, too. It did. Lot. Yeah, a little there were bit. A, There were a lot of scenes that didn't have to take place in a brothel but certainly did yeah, and i wasn't complaining <laughs> uh there's nothing wrong with a little background eye candy in my opinion um i am really 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 excited for this in fact it's it's going to be excruciating to me to wait for this show um 
I am I am one of those pathetic people who still watch The Walking Dead every week. And that it, is impressive. I've even thought about doing YouTube videos of that just count how many times I roll my eyes watching each episode yeah. of The Walking Dead. Um, I think it probably is like 25 or 30 times. And yet still every Sunday night after I'm done working, I will sit down and I will watch that dang show every week. My, uh, the lead actor in one of our short films is in the upcoming Walking Dead. Oh, really? So the, new, the new one. Oh, wow. It takes place in, I think, D.C. Yeah. The thing with The Walking Dead is like hardly anyone watches it compared to how many used to. But it's still like one of the top rated shows on TV. Yeah, you don't need to be too top rated anymore for, nope. for any kind of mass media nope, at this point. You really don't. I was because Walking Dead is a metric I like to I like to use uh, not anymore because the comic ended. But about a year, two years ago or something, I was looking at the, the sales numbers. Like they they released like actual sales numbers for the comics and stuff. And um, uh, Walking Dead was like number four or three, three or four or five for the month with like 40,000 copies sold. And I remembered back in the early 90s, they canceled the Transformers comic at Marvel for around issue 80, I think it was, um, because it was only selling 40,000 40, copies a month. <laughs> and now oh, yeah. that puts you in the top 10. Oh, yeah. For the oh, month. It's how like, the times, What a different era. The times have definitely changed. But I think it's encouraging, too, because it means that you can – create something that can sustain itself and you don't need like a billion people mm -hmm. to watch it every time. So I like that change. I like that everything's being a little more spread out uh, and giving people more choices. So it's much harder for everyone to kind of pile on that single show. Now you still get that with shows like American Idol and Survivor and those, Mask Singer. those competitive reality shows still bring in like absurd amounts of people. I mean, to me, that shows the lack of intelligence in America in general. Yeah. But Although, I don't know. Have, just you, me. have you seen The Mask Singer? I have not. I, no. It's fun. Even Antonio Brown was on there and I didn't watch it. I'm just waiting for Gronk to get revealed. <laughs> He'll be he is clearly the white tiger, people. Come on. Yeah. We know this. But look, of all the TV shows that I know that are coming right now, I think this just went to the top of my list. Um, Maybe a Game of Thrones spinoff. Maybe he's a little higher. You, you will see this before any of the Game of Thrones spinoffs are ready. I, I I'm pretty sure. Um, I mean, top of my list in the immediate future is Falcon and the Winter Soldier and Mandalorian Season 2. But... In terms of stuff that's like on the horizon, yeah, this is it's this is there. suddenly up there. Yep, that's awesome. All right, we're gonna move on to our last topic of episode two hundred two. Um, now might be a good time for you to get your questions into chat. Uh, go at Sifted Games. Uh, that way it'll be easier. Uh, also, since we're asking for questions so early, <laughs> early it'll make it a lot easier to find mm -hmm. your questions because there'll be comments after I ask for them. Uh, the last topic of the day is what I talked about at the beginning of the show, which is. Call of Duty Warzone uh, just launched. What time is it right now? 2.18. Just launched an hour and 18 minutes ago. Mm. Um, this was also something that was rumored for a long time. People had data mined the code, and people, we pretty much knew it was coming. I think even maybe it had been mentioned offhand at one point by Activision. Um, but I don't think anybody thought that it was just going to be Shadow Drop today, kind of out of nowhere. No, I heard something yesterday, I think, that it was coming yeah, we had there's stuff like, on Sifted that it yesterday was really we knew, out of nowhere. Yesterday we knew it was coming today, yeah. um, and once that broke, then Activision released a trailer yesterday mm -hmm. that showed it. And at the end, it had the date for today. Um, it is a battle royale game. Well, right, perfect timing with the B roll. It is a battle royale game that that features 150 players, which Impressive. is the most 
ever for a battle royale game, as far as I know. Yeah, wasn't that, what was that one game that was said there was going to be a thousand players? Did yeah, that, that it, never it never out? came out. Yeah, <laughs> funny how that works. Interesting. <laughs> there's maybe they're still working on it, but as of right now, to the best yeah, of my I'm sure knowledge, that's it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> as of right now, to the best of my knowledge, this is the only game that has 150 yeah. players. Um, wow, are there planes in this? There's full vehicle support. Wow. Full vehicle support. That's neat. Oh, there's a shot in this, which is awesome. It shows a bunch of enemies standing on top of a building, and a dude flies by with the helicopter and chops all their heads off. <laughs> it's great. Mitch, if you can dig up that dig clip. It. It's, so it has full vehicle support. There's going to be two modes, one gigantic map that I'm guessing they're going to segment up for the modes. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it certainly has, I believe, the uh, – there it is. <laughs> So freaking awesome. Replay it again. Man. <laughs> but this, how, how happy must they have been when they got that shot? Yeah, but I know it just this is the, the type of stuff look at <laughs> Thanks, Mitch. This is the type of stuff though that's gonna set you apart. Yeah. I mean, and it's getting really crowded right now and people are like, What can I do with my battle royale game to make it stand out from the competition? Well, adding another fifty players helps, adding full vehicle support certainly helps. Um, having the polish that you get from an Activision yeah. Call of Duty game. I mean, look, Epic, I would argue, makes games that are just as polished with Fortnite. But, you know, for the most part, a lot of the games in this genre are either made by indie studios, or if they're not made by indie studios, they're made by a smaller team mm-hmm. inside a bigger publisher. Yeah. Here. Well, and also I think the the bonus here is that, like, this looks fun without looking goofy like Fortnite yeah. does. Yeah, that's a good And point. so there's probably an audience that would prefer that. And that's kind of my question. Does this become the new gold standard for Battle Royale? I don't know. I mean, I think it depends. Uh... It's free. Oh, we forgot to mention. It's free to play mm-hmm. for everybody. You also you don't have to own. You World don't War even have to own or, the base game. Modern Warfare at all. Nope. Hmm. You can go download it right now. Everybody. Impressive. It's pretty amazing. And so, again, that's why I think, like, maybe by the end of the week... It may be the yeah. biggest. I mean, my my guess. Black for like, Ops, you had to have the base you game had to, have the to whole play. Thing, yeah. yeah. So this, like, my I would guess its main competition is Apex Legends. Yep, absolutely. Old COD guys versus new COD guys. Yeah. And I would argue Apex Legends has been picking up its game lately. Um, when it first launched, it just kind of sat there with not a lot of updates. But Respawn is finally starting to get in a rhythm now, where there's at least enough new stuff coming to Apex Legends to where it's relevant. Mm-hmm. I mean, it launched, and then it just kind of disappeared. At least if you're someone who is really into games and you're on Sifted every day, um, it just kind of just went poof. So, you know, with Activision's visibility, their ability to support stuff like this, like, I don't know what kind of budget EA has given Respawn to work on Apex Legends, uh, but my guess is that Activision will not be shy with writing checks for yeah. this. Um, it's a big initiative for them. It's not even called Call of Duty Modern Warfare Warzone. It's just called Call of Duty Warzone. So mm-hmm. it's actually kind of like it's So they own... finally did what you said they should do. Yep. Basically. They did. Yep. Which I thought they were going to do with Black Ops. Right. I was like, oh, it's just going to be free and they're going to use it as a Trojan horse. Well, now they finally wised up and they're doing it. Well, this looks like way more interesting than the old war zone oh yeah so. for sure yeah i mean it looks way better than what you got with that you paid for right. in black ops um i played that for like a couple hours and never went back to it and and i would i will say i fully 
uh, prefer Apex Legends over Black mm-hmm. Ops. Like, I'm getting, like, old-school Battlefield vibes yeah, on this thing. Yeah, Which Battlefield hasn't managed to pull <laughs> off in a long time. And don't forget, too, that the base game, uh, Modern Warfare, does have, like, a Battlefield-style mm-hmm. mode already. Yeah. And that was a great primer for them because there's vehicles in it. And so you you can start to, like, study the data. You can look at how players are using the vehicles, what they're using each vehicle for. And then you can use that to help formulate how you're going to spawn vehicles in your Battle Royale game. So it looks crazy polished. Um, I don't know that I've ever played a Call of Duty game that was bad. I like some more than others, but I don't know if I've ever played a bad one. Ghost, Ghost was close. Ghost is kind of bad. It's Ghost close. Is- yeah. It was right on the that's edge. As far, yeah, that's as close as it gets. I'll say this. I still made it through Ghost. I, I only played the multiplayer for a couple weeks. But I only paid $5 for it, so I didn't feel that <laughs> pressured. To... Yeah. So I have a lot of faith that this game is, one, going to be supported for a long time with stuff that's actually relevant and people care about. And two, even though I haven't got to play it yet because I tried to download it before I left and it hadn't gone up yet. Um, but even though I haven't played it yet, I have confidence that it's going to play extremely well. The gunplay is going to feel really good. Um, I do wish that it had, you know, like the base game, I wish it had more movement options, mm-hmm. uh, better traversal <clears throat> options than mm-hmm. Modern Warfare, what it has now. But I think pe- a lot, the mass majority of people disagree with me. <laughs> I think most people who play Call of Duty don't like the sliding and the wall running and the jetpacks. I think they like they just want to run and walk around. So mm-hmm. I think I'm on an island in some ways on that. But I think no matter what you like from your shooters, I think there's certainly – a lot in this battle royale mode that I think it'll probably resonate with just about everyone. So I'm excited for it. I wanted to download it before I came here. Uh, so when I went home, I could start playing the timing did not work out. So when I go home and I'm starting to render the show and all that kind of stuff, I'll dive in and uh, I'll probably give you guys either a hands-on report in game face next week, or maybe we'll slide it into sifted HQ for next Tuesday. We'll see. Uh, but I'm definitely in some some way. I'm going to tell you guys how I feel about this once I give it a go. But it's out there right now. It's free for everybody. Uh, PC, PS4, Xbox One. Something to do while you wait for Ori and the blind and the Will of the Wisp to go. That's live. a good point. Yep, because it goes what like 9 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Pacific midnight yeah. Eastern. You can nine or eight buy and, and play Ori. Uh, or if you have Game Pass. You can install it right now and just wait. That's true. Uh, Ori, uh, the re- initial reviews started going up today. We've curated like four or five of them on Sifted. Vince has, Vince has been mm-hmm. handling that today. Uh, sky high review scores. Yeah, I'm pretty excited about it. I am. I've been because we're. I mean, obviously, I like the first one so much. I always was excited, but it's like, yeah, it's one of those things. Like we've had nothing for so long in the release schedule that it that like I almost didn't even remember until today. It's like, oh yeah, that's yeah. that's today. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, you just get you get into a malaise. Just, where you're yeah, like, just wait, waiting and waiting and waiting. Like, and video waiting. games are over forever. There's never yeah. going to be a good game coming <laughs> out again. Uh, but no, tonight at midnight, Ori and the Will of the Wisp goes live. It's getting huge review scores. Um, I'm sorry that we weren't able to and talk like, about it today. Is it the most beautiful 2D game ever made? Probably. Like is yeah. I like I can't think of another one. I mean, when you look at some of those videos, when you it. give somebody that much time to make yeah. a game like that, that's the kind of result you get. Again, going back to what I was saying earlier about Rockstar and, and Naughty mm-hmm. Dog, time can make can smooth over over a lot of rough edges. Yeah. And Just like I remember when. Uh, that Wolverine Origins game got an extra year because the movie got pushed for a year, yeah. and they just spent the Raven spent the whole year just polishing it, and, and it, it ended was up amazing. being like good. Yeah. It was like the only good thing that came out of that movie. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> um, so yeah, I'm sorry we can't talk about it on today's show. I really would have liked to, mm-hmm. but unfortunately, we're in this like uh, B tier for review code. Uh, with them, with Microsoft, oh, with, Microsoft. Uh, with some publishers, we're not. We'll get review code when like the big boys do, but with Microsoft, we're on the lower tier. 
And I've been going back and forth with them over the last couple days, and they kept saying they were going to send it, and then it never got sent, and they're waiting for codes from the developer, blah, 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 stuff you guys don't care about. But I just want to explain why we're not talking about it yet on Game mm-hmm. Face, but we will absolutely blow this game out with our first deep dive next week, which is a big deal. Mm. Um, so next week, we will be doing our first deep dives for you guys. Uh, for those of you who maybe missed the last couple episodes, uh, or if you just can't tell, Game Face is shorter now. Uh, it's no longer three hours long. And that's because the really long conversations that Matt and I have about a specific game, it's being broken out into its own content called Deep Dives. And we will have the very first of those for you guys next week. So definitely look forward to that. All right, let's get to some questions here. We did. I did not do as well this week with the time as I did last week. We're already yeah, at we're, an hour, an hour and, and a half. half. But we're look. We're not going to bail on the questions. This to me is one of the most important parts of the show. So we're going to answer whatever you guys got. Um, Justin Horman. I think we can all think about the big blunder Xbox had this generation. What were the biggest blunders for PlayStation and Nintendo? Did they ride through this gen blunder free? Great question. Well, I mean, the biggest blunder for Nintendo was a Wii U. Well, um, no, no. The biggest blunder for Nintendo was. Making the N64 cart-based. This generation? Ever. Oh, ever? That's the biggest... That's what I thought he was asking. He's saying, did they ride through this generation? I think that was his follow-up question. Mm. Or no, you're right. Maybe in the context of asking about Xbox, you may be right. But if the biggest blunder Nintendo ever made was definitely using carts in the N64 Mm. instead of a disk drive. At least that's what I would say. Um, Big... I'm sorry, Mitch, what did you say? Uh, and Sony, it's 599 U.S. dollars. Yeah. I mean, they still kind of ended up winning that generation. okay. Though. But, like, yeah. They're, I mean, the bigger blunder no. the bigger blunder there, I think, was... Um, Cell. Uh, what? Cell yeah, processor. Cell pro- letting letting Ken Kutaragi go crazy on, yep, on that. Because the, all the third-party games ran like crap for the first, like, three yeah. or four years. And that's what doomed them to second place. Yeah, I mean, they literally... T- the, the original plan for that was to have everything run through the cell. Like, no graphics yep. card, no audio processor, no nothing. You just had to write code to make each cell processor be what you needed and it to sucked. be. And the developer, they showed it to the developers, and they are like, no. Yeah. Like, we don't want to do that. So they kind of crammed those things in there. But, like... Um, I have heard so many horror stories about having to deal uh, with that hardware. Do from, interviewing from my developers friends. back during that era, like yeah. you, they wouldn't talk about it on camera, but no. you'd finish the event, and you'd be hanging out at the bar, having a couple drinks, and that's when they talk yeah. about it. And then you try to bring it up to Phil Harrison, and you had to, you had to be <laughs> escorted from the from the premises. Was, that was me. Phil Harrison yeah. hated me. He probably still <laughs> does. He probably, if he ran it to me someday, he'd probably still like turn and like walk away. You. <laughs> um, what about Nintendo's biggest blunder with Switch? I guess that's um, what he's asking. Like, for this gen, I think, I mean, depends what you consider this gen. I would still consider Wii U this gen. Yeah. Um, the Wii U. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's a big mistake. I wouldn't say they've made a huge blunder with the Switch, other than not, you know, the Joy-Con drift thing is annoying. Joy-Con, they, I would say hardware quality. Hard, yeah, but they're fixing that, like, yeah. for free still. But, like, you know, my screen is it's scratched annoying. on my Switch. Yeah. And, you know, it just in general, that is not something I usually associate with Nintendo. No. Nintendo, usually it's hardware, is solid state. Top yeah, of the, the line. The Switch is clearly an improvisation on a certain level yeah. that worked. Yeah. I mean, it absolutely yeah. was the right call, but, like, it's not as polished as Nintendo's usual hardware product. So my Joy-Con out of the box never worked. Yeah, I, I suffered that. with it for, like, a year before I finally sent it in. I've now got my Joy-Cons replaced. Both of them are starting to mess up. Like, so the one on the left, mm-hmm. I got drift. The one on the right, like, the battery drains faster than the one on the <laughs> left. That's weird. Um, yeah, my screen has the lines across it from sitting in the dock. Mm-hmm. It's, that's just not to Mine me. Mine probably has that, too, but I haven't taken it out of the dock right. in forever. So. To me, that's not Nintendo hardware. That's no, not what I not. associate with Nintendo hardware. That's true. It's not. 
Um, FF8 Master C. Sony's biggest blunder this year, this generation, might have been like re- the refusal to keep up with crossplay and yep. like just the idea that they didn't need Arrogant Sony. Else. Arrogant Going Sony. back to Arrogant Sony, absolutely. Uh, next from FF8 Master C. What other Sony first party game would you put out on PC to entice people to PlayStation Five? Another great question. Um, I don't know if it'd be enticing to PlayStation the 5. The Last of Us Part I would, 1. I would put The Last of Us Remastered on yep. there uh, to promote yeah. the, the the TV show when the time comes. Yep. And even maybe Spider-Man in a year or two. Because yeah. Because the sequel to that's going to come. And if you can get people into that and they're like, oh my god, this is the best Spider-Man game I ever played. Again, the the, the idea of buying a PlayStation 5 becomes much more manageable. So mm-hmm. Also, I, Dreams. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I bet you get some really Imagine how well that, that would work on PC instead of yeah. having to use a controller and motion controls to build video game mm-hmm. levels. It would be a godsend. That's great. Uh, Justin Horman, 33 months of Twitch Prime. Dude, I didn't even know that we were doing this for 33 months. Yeah. That's almost three years. That's crazy. Thank you, man. Uh, FF8 I remember Master when I, C, thank you. I remember when I thought that uh, that the months listing was like, that they'd pre-subscribe for that many months. I'm like, you think we're going to be around for 33 months? That's very flattering. (laughs) Well, that would be great if people could do that. The the biggest problem with Twitch Prime is that people have to go back every month and do it. Mm -hmm. Like, I wish they would just let people set it and forget it. Look, if people want to give their subscription to somebody else every month, that's great and that's fine. They just don't turn it on. They just don't turn on the auto-renew for whatever channel they're on. I don't get it. But anyway, it is what it is. And I thank you guys who take the time every month to go and click that link. Even though I know it only takes literally like 15 seconds to do it, you would be surprised how many people won't do it because it takes 15 seconds. So thank you. Mm-hmm. Uh, Commander Fett 3 what do you think of Reggie going to GameStop? Well, he's not really going to GameStop. Will it save the company, or do you think GameStop is too far gone? So Reggie's actually just on the board of directors yeah, at they, GameStop. They, they placed him on the board of directors as like an advisor, basically. Right. Yeah, so he's not working there. He mm-hmm. goes to a meeting every month where they all sit around and re- eat really expensive food, and they talk about what's going on at GameStop, and they give their recommendations of what GameStop should do. That's basically yeah. what a board of directors is. They basically um, stand there and say, it's like, I think you should do better. And they get paid a lot of money yes. to be at that meeting once per month. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's shocking to me how much people on boards of directors get paid. Yep. <laughs> it's really crazy. Um, so anyway, he's he's basically just turned into like a consultant for GameStop. To answer your question of whether he's going to make any changes that are going to have an effect on their business, I don't think so. I don't see what you could do. I don't either. Like, I don't even know why they did this. It just seemed like it was just a publicity stunt. I think so. Um. <sighs> They're like, maybe if we have Reggie, people will like us again. I mean, Re- Reggie does understand some things. Like, he understands what it's like to get product from overseas into your channels and then how to distribute that stuff. He understands how to market to the U.S., I believe. Yeah. I think he has a pretty good idea of when a game is going to be popular or not, which maybe helps GameStop with ordering. But other than that, man, I just don't know what he can help them with. Like, they need... Somebody who understands retail strategy. So mm-hmm. if GameStop can find somebody, if there is a retailer out there that's still doing well, and there aren't many, although there are some, like my wife goes to like these makeup stores that are like mobbed. Mm-hmm. So there are some retail outlets. Yeah, they should get some people from Sephora right. over that's there. Right, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. That's, the, that's the company I'm talking about. That place, you go in there, it's mobbed. Mm-hmm. So there are some people who are getting it. Those are the people that GameStop should be putting on its board. Well, this was just a, a publicity. You, you want to see makeup before you buy it. Yeah. Shade, you know, you yeah. want you want to see what color things are. You think a lot of people would want to see him play a game before they Maybe, but play apparently by. not. Yeah, maybe not. <laughs> well, now that you have demos and betas on yeah. your console, it's like 
technology is making everything obsolete. Let's just be honest. Yep. It's going to make E3 obsolete. It's going to make game stores obsolete. It's just it's the natural march of things right now. Um, the McWomble. Do you have enough toilet paper and antiseptic gel in the studio? <laughs> There's none. We have none of that. Um, it is starting to get a little weird. Yeah. Um, so I drove here today, and I live very close to our studio. It's like literally like two and a half miles, I think. And I come here all the time. Every time I come here and I have to stop at stoplights, I'm always like the 10th car in line behind a stoplight or whatever. Average, probably the fifth car. I was number one in line mm-hmm. at every stop. And trust me, in two and a half miles coming here, I probably stop at like 15 stoplights. I was the first person at every stoplight. This city, it's like it's Thanksgiving like year-round right now. Yeah, it's like... Took me a lot. It took me a lot less time to get up here from Irvine earlier today than I thought it would. I've been to a couple. I've been to a couple places over the weekend that were, were shockingly empty. Uh, that usually aren't, especially on the weekend. Uh, the Grove is a major shopping area up near where where I live, and um, Sunday it was there was no one there. It was literally no one there. Sunday is usually like you can't even get into the stores, and and to, it was nothing, and like also I went to Disneyland last week because I YOLO. Don't care. Um, but I was at Disneyland and a couple other places over the over the weekend. I was at a, at a show. I was at uh, the Magic Castle. And I have waited in line to wash my hands at the sink in the men's room at all of these places. And that has never happened before because y'all are disgusting. Oh, you want to know disgusting, Matt. So, like, <laughs> men are washing their hands. That's that's what happened. Some here. are. So I was in our bathroom. Not ba- everyone, yeah. I was in our bathroom here. I was, like, filling up my my coffee cup my mug with water and uh a guy comes in or had already been in there he was in the stall which is where you usually assume someone's doing number two Mm -hmm. and so i'm like rinsing out my mug and i'm starting to fill it up with water he comes out after pooping i'm assuming and turns on the faucet splashed his hands and wiped them on his pants and walked out and i was like talk about yolo that guy does not give up i hope you ate lunch next Some people just still you don't filthy care. animals. Yeah, it's we're starting to see it here now. Like yeah. the coronavirus is starting to affect us. We're starting to see it in the city. Yeah, and all as the I hand said, sanitizer's gone. <clears throat> I, had, as I, said I earlier, had to kick a man to death to get a bottle of soap <laughs> the other day. It was just you yeah. Know. And as I said, but then earlier, I used the, the the shopping cart wipes to clean my shoes off. So it was okay. <laughs> I said earlier, if you came to the show late, that uh, the San Jose Sharks are going to play to an empty arena, which mm. is really really bizarre. Um, Gohan Rage, what are the channel points they can use to give sifted money like a prime sub? I'm not sure what that means. Um, you can donate on our Twitch page, twitch.tv slash sifted games. There's a donate button. Or you can just go to sifted.net slash donate. And there's an interface there where you can literally donate whatever amount of money that you want to us. And I'd rather you would do that than go to our Patreon and just bump up your Patreon for a month. Uh, because in this other system, our donation system, we half of the cut is eliminated uh, because when we work with Patreon, they take a cut and then we also still get charged cre- credit card mm. processing fees on our donate button. We just get charged the credit card processing fees. So if anybody ever wants to just like say, Hey, I just want to give sifted X amount of dollars. Either use the donate button at twitch.tv slash sifted games or go to sifted.net slash donate and use that. We'll get a lot more of your money that way, which is better for both of us. I think uh, let's see. We got any more. Uh, AJ the Legend Watson. Any thoughts on Panzer Dragoon being announced for VR? I missed that. Did you see that? Uh, yeah, I saw that. Cool. I don't. I 
meh. Like, but it's nice to see Panzer Dragoon in any form. Yeah. Like, movement is nice on yeah. that franchise. What's up with reason. the Switch game? I don't know. What what happened to that? I don't know. <laughs> it's just like they showed it, and then it just disappeared. So, yeah, anything Panzer Dragoon we can get, I'm excited for. Uh, Eth Demon, do you think with The Witcher doing so well and boosting game sales, um, as an impact had had an impact pushing Sony doing just a Last of Us TV show? No, no. That that deal has been in. So the he's asking for a like because The Witcher did well. Is that why The Last of Us is happening? No. And, yeah, you're absolutely right. Like, that deal was in the works a long time ago. Yeah, that, they've been working on that. I'm sure they've been putting that deal together for a year, year and a half at this point. Oh, Gohan Rage brings up a good point. Today is Mario Day. Mm-hmm. March 10th. Thank you, Mario. You've been a great friend of ours for many years, and if it weren't for you, I wouldn't be sitting here right now. I can say that without a doubt. So, thank you. Um... Fire Native, thank you for subscribing via Twitch Prime. Two months. Maybe you just discovered us, man. Thank you very much. It goes a long way with us, man. It's not going into some bottomless pit of money like a lot of other Patreons. So we really, really appreciate it. Uh, Not Cirque, I just finished Ori on the plane. Man, that was a lot harder than I thought. Yeah. Am I the only one? Ori has some really challenging parts. It's hard. Yeah. Yeah. You're not alone. And I suspect that Will of the Wisps is going to also have. Yeah. Yeah. It's not. I expect it. I can see why people would look at that game and be like, oh, this is probably a kid's game. A simple, and, adorable little thing. No, there's, some, there's some hard-line platforming in that. That's why I love it. That's why yeah. I'm really excited to play it. Because it's It's a game that looks like it's made for kids, but it's actually made for adults. I can imagine I mean, a kid playing it. Kids can that. do it. Kids can do yeah, it. Yeah, because they're, it. they're good. You're right. Um, I think a kid, We did it in the games when we were kids were way harder because they sucked. Yeah. <laughs> I think a kid would sob uncontrollably playing that game, though. Yeah. I mean, it tugged on my heartstrings pretty hard. Like, oh, that. Okay, that. Yeah, I thought you might cry because it's so hard. No, 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 no. Because no. of the emotional kind of angle of those Maybe. games. Maybe. It almost know. made me cry like a baby. <laughs> kids are kids are a little sociopath, so I don't know. It, yeah. it, might, it might not affect them. Uh, let's see if we've got any more. Yakov226. What do you think about Phil Harrison? Oh, I was just talking about him yeah, earlier. Yes, we covered that. I Is think. he just unlucky or he doesn't know what he's doing in the game industry? I mean, he's pretty much wanted for triple murder at this point yeah. in terms of product launches. I mean, <laughs> let's be honest. I, I still don't – he's never really been a smashing success. No. I mean, I wouldn't say the PS3 was a failure. No, but it took but a it, while to be a success. But they failed at launching it yeah. for sure, and it certainly didn't dictate the zeitgeist. The, was, the, the Wii was the was the thing to have, and the 360 sort of defined what online experiences were. So, yeah. and he was also deceptive in the lead up to the PlayStation. Remember, he wouldn't like admit that like the kill zone thing wasn't real, right? And, right. and then I got in an argument with him about um, what's the the racing game with the mud. Uh, Motor Storm. Motor Storm. Yeah. I got an argument with him. I was like, that was fake. And he's like, no, it's in the game. And I'm like, bro. <laughs> <laughs> he was delusional. Um, I just, I don't, why does he fail? I don't know. I would say he's dishonest, and maybe that's a reason. I don't know. Why he has he failed like over and over again in the industry, though? I don't know. Um, I don't want to call him like a liar. In his job, you sometimes have to fudge the truth a little. Mm-hmm. Um, one to keep your job, and two to make sure that whatever you're trying, you're working on, is successful. So, I understand why he wasn't honest with me all the time when I did interviews with him, um, but that doesn't mean it's okay. Um, anymore, uh, Dan Boy, are you going to do a sifted community play of Call of Duty Warzone? I would absolutely be interested in that. My one question right now is, I do not know how the gamer tag is going to work because mm. in Modern Warfare. I am the real Denfire because somebody took for, it. 
for, for the, the global for the, for the sign-in thing. right the global part somebody had taken it um, i imagine it's the same global sign-in it probably is but it is a separate game but, but it's still call of duty i don't know this cross-platform play we i don't know if it's going to happen know. in warzone so if there is cross-platform play that means i will be the real dinfire if there's not cross cross-platform play i will just be dinfire hmm. so add me uh, I'm going to download it as soon as I get home, and I will be playing it over the next couple days. So if you guys want to get together and play it, sure. Um, if we can get a whole like squad together to play, then maybe I record it and post it for patrons. Yeah. It is cross-platform. It is. Okay. okay. So I'm the real Dinfire then on Warzone. Uh, let's see. Texture Glitch. Thank you. 22 months, man, of Twitch Prime. That's amazing. Minority Games, thank you for the Tier 1 subscription through April. That's freaking awesome. And you have Vincent saying, yeah, cross-platform play. We got that from uh, from Mitch as well. And here's the last one, Cyber Exile. Now that Matrix 4 is a thing, you think we'll get a good Matrix game this time? Great question to close it out. No, but I think it'd be nice <laughs> to see them try. Yeah. Um, I always thought the Path of Neo was a really cool idea. Yeah. For the game. Like the, the following Neo through his whole existence in through the whole trilogy was a really cool idea i would like to see someone try to do that again but good this yeah. time yeah um yeah i agree with matt probably not i mean licensed games still suck let's be honest usually yeah i mean i mean spider-man Spider is the <laughs> exception that kind of it proves the, the rule outlier. on that yeah. yeah or star wars but yeah what do you say there mitch i will say path and neo and enter the matrix are my guilty pleasures like i do i really do enjoy those games when i was a kid i still feel guilty about enter the matrix because uh Dave Perry was so excited, and he handed them like the, all the review copies to me personally as we were leaving E3, and I, I carried them in my bag, and I'm like, I got the Matrix game. Yeah, it was yeah. so good. And then we played it. It's like, oh, it's not good. <laughs> and like, it was, it just felt so, it, it was the one of the only times I felt like I was like personally letting a developer down because he was so excited to give it to us, and it was just like, oh, no. Oh, <laughs> no. Yeah. But it was, that was, mm, mm. I think I gave it a two out of five. I think that was about right. That's yeah, definitely right. Two out of five. <laughs> uh, one super master gamer. Thank you for subscribing with Twitch Prime. Sixteen months. That's awesome. That's it for Game Face Two O Two. Like I said, there's a brand new episode of Sifted HQ up right now on at Sifted.net and at our Patreon. Uh, Pactor Factor starts going daily beginning tomorrow. Um, if, if you're subscribing via Twitch Prime, as a lot of you guys are, you now get Pactor Factor a week earlier at Twitch.tv/SiftedGames. Uh, but what's most important, really, is for those of you who listen to this on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts to help us out, uh, go to patreon.com slash sifted. Uh, if you're listening to this and you've been getting the show for free, at least throw us a dollar a month, man. Like, we're giving you, like, hours and hours of, coin to your of relief from your dreadful commute or your dreadful job. If that's not worth a dollar a month, I don't know what is. So go to patreon.com slash sifted. Give us a dollar a month. Give us more if you like, but a dollar a month, we'll take that if you're listening. Give us two hundred fifteen thousand dollars if you. Yeah, that'd be awesome. <laughs> if you think we're as good as the so, the Nintendo PlayStation. There you go. There you go. Um, the Nintendo PlayStation doesn't even have any games. Yeah, I should. We should point that out. I do want to thank you guys for sticking with us for twenty twenty so far because it's been hard. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's been really hard to get these shows together, um, but it's all gravy now. We have games for the rest of the year. Um, like I said, next week we'll be launching our deep dives for the first time. Yep. So you guys will get to see how we're going to do long-form conversations about coming. specific we got, games. We're nine days out from Doom. Yeah. Like it's finally it's starting. Good stuff. So, the rain is beginning. 
Yep. And so the, and the desert is ready to drink it up. <laughs> I am definitely that <laughs> desert. I am ready to drink. Uh, so thanks to everybody who has tuned in uh, during the first couple months of the year. I know it's been tough. It's been even tougher for us. Thanks to everybody who subscribed via Twitch Prime. Thanks to our patrons and our subscribers on Sifted. Without you guys, none of this is possible. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Dinfire. You can fi- find Matt at M Kyle. That's M K E I L. And you can find Mitch, who's in the shower, at Mitch Sikor, S-I-K-O-R. Everybody have a great week. Thanks for watching. We'll see you next Tuesday. Game Face is up and out.